Welcome to The Long Box of Darkness, a podcast exploring horror in comic book form. I'm Misty Graves. And I'm Herman Lowe. Join us for a look inside The Long Box of Darkness. Long Box of Darkness 2020 Christmas Special. We're back after, you know, a few short weeks. You, hopefully you're not tired of our voices yet, listeners, because we're going to have a lot of shows out this Christmas. It's Herman and Misty. Uh, this time around, we've got a guest, but we'll save him for a little bit later. First off, Misty, how have you been? I've been so good. Um, just enjoying the holiday spirit. Nice. Well, I mean, uh, everybody has a different uh, holiday spirit during this time. I'm working, so my holiday spirit is pretty low. <laughs> but you guys are probably in the in the holidays. It's like got, it's uh, what's got me holding on, you know. Uh, it's like keeping me safe in this warm, sparkly bubble of tinsel and good good tidings and rampant commercialism and um also <laughs> we're all broke at this point in time because i've i've had to order so much gifts for for people that you know i'm completely tapped up i have nothing left so i'm i'm relying on you guys to you know uh send me something at least even if it's just an online coffee <laughs> okay folks i'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer uh technically this is our first ever uh, creator that we've got on the show. We've had other guests before, but they were more like you know in the pod of the podcast variety. So this time around, you know, I'm honored to introduce a guy that we've only recently met, but we love his stuff, uh, Mr. Steve Urena. And uh, welcome, Steve, to the show. Thanks for for being here. Ho ho ho! Thank you guys for inviting <laughs> me to your spooky Christmas spectacular special. <laughs> Um, and I am honored to be your first creator guest. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. And, I, and I'm very excited to talk to you guys about, about Slowpokes and uh, some great horror stuff for the holidays. Definitely. Definitely, Steve. Thanks. I mean, uh, we've been recently, you know, most of our listeners seem to be on Twitter. So they would already know who you are because we've been sharing lots of, lots of your stuff on Twitter. And uh, what, what Steve just mentioned, listeners, was Slowpokes. That's what he's known for, a creator-owned project that uh, you funded on Kickstarter, right, Steve, with your, your buddy, the artist uh, Juan Romero? Uh, That's right. Uh, Juan Romero is the artist, and Sean Whitehart is the letterer. That's right. Wow. And it's quite a project. I would uh, recommend anybody to pick that up. We'll drop some links at the end of the show, of course, where you could find that. But, um, Misty, you, in fact, introduced me to Slowpokes. How did you happen upon this comic, by the way? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, Twitter horror comics. I was maybe it was a hashtag. Maybe it was like a liked somebody liked this post that is in your wheelhouse, Misty. Hey, you might like this. You know, kind yeah. of algorithm thing. Yeah. Uh, but I took notice right away because immediately I'm just like cuddly animals, but they're murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's like. Uh, match made in in uh, hell, heaven, heaven, hell. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's good. Hell is hell is definitely appropriate for this. 
Yeah, yeah, this is a different type of hell. This is like an animal lover's hell. You know, someone who loves animals but, you know, committed some grievous sins and gets sent to hell and then is tortured by cuddly things for forever and ever <laughs> in the most horrific ways. So, so, so for people who don't know, um, Slowpokes is about uh, sloths that become fast and go on a rampage. So <laughs> if you're listening and you're wondering, you know, what is Slowpokes? That is what Slowpokes is. <laughs> Um, it is bloody gory fun, and uh, you know I'm, I'm glad you guys have have, uh, have liked it. Definitely, so Steve. Much. Yeah, yeah. So it's all... You go ahead, Misty. <laughs> oh, I I was just like saying the word so much a, a bunch of times. So. Yeah, I mean, so much. we loved it so much. Yeah, I have I had, I had a bit of a funny story when I when Misty first shared it with me, Steve. Like there was a lot of Star Wars stuff trending at the time, you know, because of the Mandalorian and all of that making the rounds Absolutely. on Twitter, the hashtags and stuff. So I just saw an image of Misty sharing something, and she didn't really say it's a comic that she's reading. She was just you know sharing one single image, and it was an image of a little lemur um, with speed lines, you know, flying down <laughs> onto a crowd of people, and then just blood splattering everywhere. So I was thinking. Damn, has someone somehow gotten the rights to do a baby Wookiee who's now taking out some <laughs> some Imperials in a mess hall or somewhere because it looked like it was at a food court. So I thought, damn, I, this is a Star Wars comic I got to read. But then it's just so much better than that <laughs> because there's no blood well, allowed. Maybe, that's my, maybe this is my take on Ewoks. <laughs> damn, yes. I mean, you've all seen the little Ewok meme where he's like eating the brains, the zombie Ewok eating the brains out of a Stormtrooper helmet. So this is, l listeners, this is way worse than that. <laughs> it's it's way bloodier. Yeah, oh, excellent, I Steve. Love, yeah. I, I love that moment in the comic when the, when the sloth dives into the crowd. Like, just the comedic timing on that page. So good. <laughs> and like, it's just, it's just like, it's like this hilarious thing to see a sloth coming at you because you just don't think of them as scary, murderous creatures. So when they're diving <laughs> at people, they're just like, and then you don't, it's so fun. Uh, you got to read it, folks. Yeah. You have to read the comic yeah. to know what I'm No, no, it's a, at. it's a must read. You know, I shared it last night with a lot of horror folks and they've all, you know, expressed interest because this is even more in their wheelhouse than ours. I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised, Steve, how many people in our circle of friends love animal horror. Um, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so you know this is going to be this is going to be a big thing once and and it seems like you're going to keep it going. It's this is just the the first part of it, and then you know um, once the property takes off, you've probably got some more stories planned. Oh yes, with uh, with slow pokes. So at first, originally it was supposed to be a one shot. Um, I took a class uh, with comics experience, and I workshopped the story in the class because I've always had I'm a big goofball, so I've always had this story in the back of my brain, and I wanted to. You know, I, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to have fun while I was writing. And, you know, I, I've been so overwhelmed with the success of it that luckily I'm going to be able to do more. Excellent. And I'm going to do as many as I can until, you know, people tell me to stop. So, oh, so, wonderful. so that, is, that is the plan. And to go as crazy and wacky. And, you know, this, this is my love letter to horror movies. So, you know, you're going to definitely see some references to other horror movies or horror genres and these Slowpokes uh, comics coming up. Amazing, Steve. No, well, then I'm calling it right now. We want you as a guest again when there are other Slowpoke comics out there because we want to talk some you more Slowpokes. Unless you blow you up like... Ten more times. Ten more times. Slowpokes ten. Definitely. <laughs> Wonderful. Just make us a promise when, when you go all Robert Kirkman 
style famous <laughs> don't you forget where you came from and and remember oh, us remember the little people <laughs> I, i will i will never forget never. awesome <laughs> so listen um i i just have to let the listeners know normally they're uh, um, you know not really used to a christmas special from us we've done one before but i think that was me when i was just soloing the show right misty so this time around you know we've uh, selected three christmas comics and steve you've Uh, you know, graciously accepted, um, you know, to join our discussion. Uh, so we're going to keep it in the long box of darkness vein and then talk about three seminal uh, Santa stories of uh, murder <laughs> and horror. Not something Perfect. you usually associate with Christmas, but hey, you know, horror comic fans do. <laughs> you know, everybody's watching horror this Christmas, at least in our circle. So, um, yeah. and then after that, listeners, we'll do some more uh, in-depth Uh, Slowpokes, uh, you know, uh, questions that we're going to have for Steve. And um, I want to know more about that, Steve. But before we get into the Christmas horror, uh, Misty and I were want to ask new uh, guests on the show how they got into the genre of horror and into comics in particular. And uh, we'll save your, your creator origin for later, but maybe your origin as a fan, if you could tell us a little bit about that, Steve, how you, yeah, what is your horror origin as a fan? Horror. Horrigin. So my horror, my horrigin, horrigin is great. I think you guys should trademark that word <laughs> and uh, and use it use it in your in your podcast. But uh, yeah, my horror origin started you know when I was a kid. I loved, I mean, I guess at, at that time I was very scared of horror movies, but I was so intrigued by them because of you know how, I was like, how does this get made? Like, how does this you know? I was more intrigued with like the the makeup and the special effects and the stories and how there are like nine or ten of these movies. Um, so like, I love child's play growing up, um, you know, because that was the first thing that kind of scared me because like your toys come into life and trying to kill you. That's, yeah. that's horrifying. Yeah. Um, so from there, I always was very like, oh, man, like that's so, so cool. Um, you know, I would I would go to like Barnes and Noble and you'd see Fangoria and I would always like kind of thumb through it. Um, but like that kind of piqued my interest. And then as I got older, I realized that, you know, people make careers of this. People can can write, you know, crazy horror movies. And it's it's very entertaining and it's very creative, and I was kind of just drawn to it from there. And since then, like I love horror movies. I would try to watch horror movies as much as possible. Like you know, I just found out about Shudder and all the great stuff on there, um, and all the you know the great horror movies that are on streaming platforms. Um, you know, even just going to Blockbuster as a kid, and you would see these these horror movies on the shelves. And you'd be like, what is this? Like, what is the dentist? What is Ice Cream Man? Like, I, you know, all these things kind of piqued my interest. <laughs> and, um, you know, go, go, you know, getting older, uh, when I start, when I decided to write the comic, I was like, oh, I love horror movies. Let's, let's do this. Let's do Slowpokes. Let's do the sloth horror comedy comic. Um, you know, why not? Well, what's, what's the worst that could happen? I feel like you could be more creative in that space because people already know what, you know, what to expect. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's, that's true. kind of my story that's awesome man so it, it was definitely movies first and then you yeah. know comics second yeah that's a lot yeah. of lo I mean I got I got lucky even earlier earlier this year I got to meet Tom Zavini oh. and I was like you know you made you made Damn. dick gun in uh in, <laughs> in uh, was it uh, uh, uh dust before dawn yeah and it's just yeah. I love I love all that stuff you got to just be super creative and you know that kind of drew me to all that all that horror goodness yeah and like and 
in the genre of horror comedies and uh you even going back to what you said about being at the video store and seeing like the covers of horror movies and just some of those covers were so good and they're funny yeah yeah you know that you know that it's like here's a movie that doesn't take itself super seriously you know yeah you know you know what you're getting into and and that's the best part is like the art kind of draws you in and you know you're like ah, i know this isn't godfather 2 or like you know bridges of madison county or anything like that but like it's like ice cream man i gotta see this somebody gotta get stabbed in the face with the ice cream cone. i gotta see it i gotta see what's going on here and in fact there is something similar happening in in your comic slow folks <laughs> we talk about ice cream yeah, shout out to ron howard's brother for uh for for uh inspiring that scene <laughs> oh, damn <laughs> You know the, the the fact that a sloth would have the dexterity and the the the, the sheer horror awesomeness, uh, you know, to to do that, you know, definitely means the sloth was probably watching those movies as well. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the sloth, like sloths, when you look at them, a lot of people are like, oh, they're cuddly and cute. It's like, why do they have giant ass claws? Then, like, exactly. they look like they're up to something. I feel like if life made sloths fast they'd be murderous killing machines and like you know god said like we can't do that it's too much you know yeah, what i mean we gotta, concept, we gotta slow yeah. it down a little bit that's right the <laughs> yeah, concept that's, is amazing that's <laughs> right. why octopuses like octopuses they only live to be a year old because you know if they live longer they might evolve invent technology that would take you know take over the world exactly. well I, I i definitely saw the studies that with the uh, octopus like they put them in jars to see how long it takes for them to open the jar and get out and it doesn't take them very long which is even more horrifying <laughs> which is glad i'm staying on land imagine giving them more than a year to figure figure things out there's yeah probably, there's probably some octopuses that like 11 months 29 days been like i finally figured out how to breathe outside of water <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just walking on land like you know driving cars and stuff <laughs> damn guys you're scaring even me here here yeah. we go. That that's our next comic. Both that you know what I mean. We'll co-create it. <laughs> oh man, you guys definitely have to do more animal horror. But so far, Slowpokes, obviously that's going to be a franchise. But you know, I'm looking forward to more because you know this. We'll see. You've opened up the gate here, Steve, and there's endless amounts of you. You know, oh, I will, I want to see as many animal comics, animal horror comics as I can. I want to see some giraffes. I want to see <laughs> you know just just the things you wouldn't expect. I, I pugs. I want to see giraffes and pugs. <laughs> pugs. Um, <laughs> Oh man, now oh, that would be Oxford, insane. Worms, everything, everything that, anything that can kill people, fuck it. Well, let's do it. Wow, the no. sky is the limit when you're working with a mad scientist, you know. Exactly. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, and you know, it's 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 not just the mad scientist from the comic. I guess Steve, you and Juan, you're the mad scientists behind the scenes. You know, like messing us up and traumatizing us here with your. Yes, your my, new my, brand. My goal is my goal is to make a kid uh, scared for life. You know what I mean? Of, of sloths. That's the, that's the goal. Um, I already messed up some lady. Um, some ladies uh, day. Uh, I posted in in a sloth lovers Facebook group. Uh, you know, slowpokes. I posted like the trailer for it because I was like, listen, if if, if anybody's gonna look at this, it's gonna be sloth lovers. Oh, 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 and damn. some lady got so mad that she wrote underneath the thing like. Oh, this is disgusting! Like I would never, you know, this is such a bad idea, and like it, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I was like, this lady got so mad that she <laughs> she felt the need to like write a post. Like this pissed me off so much, I had to write a post about it. Which Damn. which is the the goal is always that, the goal. You, that means you've achieved success, Steve. That's that's a testament exactly. to your success. Yeah. Congratulations! Oh yeah, that's how you felt in horror comics. 
Yeah. Exactly. If I if I made somebody discuss it, I that, that I was hoping for more of that, but I only got one comment. Luckily, <laughs> the rest of the people are are saying, "Yeah, this is why <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. why we're sloth fans. We're just waiting for them to become murderous." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were waiting. They're waiting this whole time. It was, oh, it was a long wait because they're slow, but now they're fast, so it's great. Yeah, so they don't have to wait a long time anymore. <laughs> they're coming out to <laughs> quick and nasty. That's right. So. Listeners, that's 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 it for our introductory segment. Steve, we know more about you now. As we progress through Christmas horror, we'll definitely find out a little bit, uh, a few more tidbits of your predilections and your, you know, your love for horror. <laughs> um, so with that, listeners. Um, but by the way, that's an awesome introductory segment, right, Misty? One of our better ones. <laughs> yes, the yeah, best one. Probably even better than our own boring horror origins. So. Oh, you guys, you guys, I, well, I, I need to go and look back or I'll talk to you guys offline. I want to hear your horror origin stories, too. Well, they're nothing, gotta, they're nothing like this, no, nothing this exciting and, <laughs> and, and and nothing linked to animal horror, which I which I now wish I could, you know, get it and get in a time machine and go back and some, somehow introduce that in my horror origin. <laughs> but it's been taken. <laughs> anyway, so uh, listeners will head off into our next segment, which is, of course, it came from the long box. Christmas carolers. I hate Christmas carolers. Screeching voice, no blue sniffers. I warned you, Brad! <laughs> <laughs> What do you call them? Claustrophobic. Ah. <laughs> Could also go for people afraid of sloths. <laughs> At this point. That's true. Sloth, claustrophobic? <laughs> no, I was thinking about just their massive ass claws. <laughs> claws. Oh, their claws, yeah. Claustrophobic. There but slothstrophobic is better. <laughs> oh, Matt, Misty, that's good. That's a good one. Claustrophobic, yeah. That's a good one. I'm looking forward to some more later. Do you have a funny bone segment all uh, ready to go for us later on? Or is that it? <laughs> I, I know. I totally do. I actually have had to sprinkle some other jokes in here because I wrote, I actually wrote some jokes because there, I couldn't really find Christmas horror themed jokes. Mm, I mm. guess that's not a thing. I guess people nope. don't know horror Christmas jokes or ho horror holiday jokes. I did find a few and that was one of them. But uh, I wrote a little like set for the end of the night. It's really <laughs> ridiculous. So Brilliant. don't laugh. 
Brilliant. No, no, no. We're looking forward to that, Misty. Definitely. Well, definitely. no, no, it's not. It's not. Don't laugh. It is laugh because we got to. We got to do your. Yeah. Got to be your audience for we, this for this type five at the comedy store. You know. Definitely. We won't laugh at you. We'll we'll laugh with you. Exactly. <laughs> we won't heckle you. Well, we might, right, Steve? We might. It depends how we how we I don't feel. Know. I, I got to make a good first impression. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna heckle this time. Maybe next time. Oh yeah, good. I mean, um, if I'm being honest, I'm drinking a uh, big ass coffee filled with Kahlua. So you know, Excellent. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> All right, guys. So um, I want to make yeah? you spit your coffee and Kahlua all over your desk. That's my goal. Well, I'm gonna spray something for sure. I mean, I'm definitely gonna because I mean, you've done that to me in previous shows, Misty. So keep it going. <laughs> I'm, all right. The pressure's building though because you have to keep delivering. Uh, so yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm looking forward to you know cleaning up the mess later <laughs> when recording's done. Okay, oh, so, so nice to get into these comics. Yeah, definitely. We've picked three, like I mentioned earlier, listeners. Um, I'm gonna quickly mention um, the first one, and then you know I'll give the synopsis like we like we usually do, and then after the synopsis we'll get into this the discussion. And for our rating system. Which, which we have Steve on the show every time we, we discuss a comic we pick uh, an object or, or some horrific trope from whatever comic we were re- reading and we use that as a rating system so instead of saying four stars out of five we'll have like four bloody uh, ruptured eyeballs out of five you know so Excellent. so this time around okay and, and you know I, I'm sure you guys uh, will, will catch this we're doing sleigh bells oh very nice S-L-A-Y so um <laughs> sleigh bells for those who didn't know yeah 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 i'm i'm, I'm taking our listeners intelligence for granted so <laughs> sorry guys speaking of sleigh also another great horror movie santa sleigh oh with goldberg in it i haven't seen that i haven't seen that at all i'm like the steve just just you've got to know this about me misty's the the one recommending all the great horror stuff the modern horror I'm like the guy watching old Hammer classics, and and I want to get gotcha. into new horror. So, yeah. thanks, man. That's a good recommendation. I better write that down. <laughs> it, it is it is very festive uh, for the season. It 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 contains uh, the wrestler Goldberg, and he plays Santa Claus who goes on a rampage, and it's called Santa Slay. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> That links to our discussion because, listeners, every single one of these stories we're going to be talking about is about Santa. Just going nuts, <laughs> not just going to town on, on on some unsuspecting victims who are just there to be merry and get gifts. I mean, even if you if you think about it like that, even children don't escape the horror. So you know, right. Steve, at least they, they get it the worst, especially if you're if you're bad all year. That's what you get. <laughs> exactly, you know. And um, um Steve, uh, just as another aside, I saw that you definitely took out your hatred of teenagers. You know, you you put that on the page in the comic book when you wrote that <laughs> slowpoke. Like, These annoying teenagers piss me off. Oh damn, they're going into slowpokes. <laughs> That's right, because I'm I'm getting old now, so it, it's it's now it's like damn you young people. <laughs> damn now you for I'm being old. young. <laughs> damn you for being young. That's exactly right. Like you know, I like naps now. Like this sucks. <laughs> How dare you use cell phones? Yeah, how dare you complain on the internet all day long while sitting playing Xbox in in your basement? 
no it's um obviously those you know there are many folks not just teenagers who deserve to be you know to have their lives cut tragically short at the end of a, a slot claw but um they're yeah. definitely high up there right steve <laughs> That's definitely that's definitely one you know yeah definitely one of them on the list. <laughs> we'll see so, what gets next. Oh, they're just so easy to kill too. I mean, let's face it. Like historically, they're just. I, but are they really? But I don't know. Like if you were a serial, maybe not get into it because I mean they're young, they're strong, they can run. Like, well, I mean, not if you're the. Got that confidence of of the youth where they haven't been like beaten down yet you know so they're still just like i take them you know well i mean that's true but not if you're sydney from scream right i mean she's so clumsy and even i mean ghostface i mean damn that guy's clumsy they're teenagers you know they're uh, (laughs) no coordination whatsoever i'm i wouldn't be too worried misty (laughs) all right it's funny as as you say this, my girlfriend's pointing at me and going, you're the clumsy one because I knock shit over all the time. So <laughs> ah! I make a good... <laughs> Damn. Hello, Steve. This is this... <laughs> Ghostface <laughs> calling. <laughs> I'm in the house. <laughs> oh, man. Just think about the worst wardrobe choice ever. Uh, freaking it's, it's a long gown. It's like a long... Like you're, you're bound to trip on that if you're screaming. You know what Definitely. I mean? <laughs> That's terrible. Like, that's a terrible outfit. Oh man, it was it was the worst. Yeah, the, the fact that he made it as a horror icon is a testament to the to the the pathetic weakness of his victims. Because damn, you know, for him to be able to get well, they were two. So you know, spoilers for anybody. But you know, I'm sure yeah. n- nobody needs a spoiler warning at this point in time. But two, you know, that that's probably working in their favor. But I mean, even Chucky the doll was more agile. Come on. <laughs> You hurl him across the room and he does a couple of somersaults before he, you know, makes a perfect 10 landing. <laughs> when, when, when Chucky's not killing people, he's probably doing some yoga. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> probably what is, uh, that's why he's so flexible and, you know, you gotta, you gotta work on your, your core, you know? Seriously, mm-hmm. man. Charles Lee Ray was, you know, he was an athlete. I, I'm pretty sure he was top of his gym class. <laughs> I think you should make that into a shirt. Charlie, Charles Lee Ray was an athlete. <laughs> That would explain Chucky's nimbleness, you know, definitely. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that, definitely. Guys, so <laughs> let me introduce. We're having fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm, I'm being derailed, but I'm loving it because, you know, we've got so much uh, stuff to cover here. You know, I'm almost I'm almost sad to let you go at the end of the show, Steve. we got to keep uh, it rolling. <laughs> if, if you'll have me back, hopefully I don't ruin ruin this show. Uh, I will, I'll be glad to come on and we could talk horror anytime. Excellent, yes. excellent. Okay, then we'll, then we'll we'll do that. We'll do that. Just just you know, um, for for the hell of it, we'll we'll definitely have yeah. you as a recurring guest because yeah, there's some awesome. some uh, we're simpatico and there's some synergy here, so we shouldn't let that go. So, uh, listeners, uh, I just want to apologize to all our teenagers out there. I do for a fact, Misty and Steve know that teenagers do listen to the show. <laughs> I hope we haven't offended <laughs> them to no end. I've got like because my 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 dad, you know, he um he's the the eldest of nine kids. And, uh, you know, the, the, the nine kids are much younger than him. So obviously they've had kids and they're my cousins. And, you know, they, they, they all listen to the show. There's like Excellent. 16 of them. Well, <laughs> they're not listening to the show anymore. I should amend that. <laughs> Just stay away from sloths, guys. You know, take, take your eldest cousin's advice. Anyway, so um, to get back to our first comic, listeners... Uh, I have selected three since it was my turn this time around. The first one I selected 
And these are all, by the way, short anthology stories taken out of anthology horror comics. So um, each of them are short and uh, um, have a hefty impact. Um, I'm sure you guys would agree, Misty and Steve. And the first one comes from DC, The Witching Hour. It's Midnight The Witching Hour, number 28. So I'm quickly going to run down the credits on this comic. Okay, the cover is by Nick Cardi. Uh, uh, definitely a, a household name when it comes to horror comic covers of the 70s. And um, edited by Murray Boltonoff. This comic was published in February 19th, or it was on sale actually in December uh, 1972, on December 12th. And um, it features four stories, Kill Me Lest You Die, Unlucky Omen, Never Kill a Santa Claus, and Ghoul's Day, April Ghoul's Day. So obviously you know which one we're going to be picking. Um, so this story, Never Kill a Santa Claus. Wow, I keep taking our listeners' intelligence for granted here. <laughs> um, this story was written and uh, penciled, oh, no, penciled by Jerry Talawak, one of the, the Filipino invasion artists. Great artist and uh, did a lot of horror comics and other comics in the early 70s for DC and then Marvel as well. And for the magazines like the Warren magazines. And um, uh, written by George Kasten who in fact wrote most of the stories in this collection. So um, I'm going to give the synopsis. Uh, this is a quick one. Uh, feel free to chime in, uh, Stephen Misty, whenever you hear something that, that might be uh, to your liking or inaccurate. <laughs> Here it goes. The synopsis for Never Kill Santa Claus. Our tale starts with a robbery in a department store office late one night. A hapless employee called Micah who is dressed up as Santa for the next day's festivities, stumbles upon the robber as he's cleaning out a safe. Micah is shocked and is made to discover that the thief is in fact the very owner of the department store, a reprehensible character named Mr. Cranston, who is intent upon reporting the robbery and thereby committing insurance fraud. Micah implores Mr. Cranston to mend his wicked ways for his father's sake, but Cranston instead murders the Santa impersonator on the spot to ensure his silence, stashing his body in a basement storage container filled with presumably, Misty and Steve, I think Halloween paraphernalia. Uh, because in the mind of Cranston, he thinks that it will only be discovered come next Halloween. <laughs> and that would then, smell horrible, too. <laughs> that is, I mean, it's going to... That is a heel, man. That is, that is a mean human being. If you're going to leave somebody, it's like, ah, he'll be found in, by October. And, like, let, let everybody deal with the smell of this dead body in yeah. this trunk here. And he's ruining the Halloween decorations, too, man. It's going to be, you know, <laughs> double whammy. maggots. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So not only is he ruining Christmas, which we'll see happens the very next day in this story, now that there's, you know, no Santa Claus available, but, you know, he's going to ruin Halloween. Brilliant, Cranston. So right off the bat, we hate this guy. We want him to, to die a horrible and ignominious death. Which, don't worry, listeners, you won't be disappointed. Because the very next day, the children and employees are very put out by the fact that their best Santa, as it turns out, the now-deceased old Micah, is not around to entertain the shoppers, whose children have all been looking forward to uh, their annual visit. And then suddenly a gaunt figure shows up and applies for the Santa job right on the spot. And uh, Cranston, suspicious of this guy, ends up hiring him in any way because they're in dire straits. They need a Santa right away. It's uh, it's possibly Christmas morning, right? Um, so he quickly dons a Santa suit almost supernaturally fast 
And uh, Cranston is, uh, you know, upset about this because he sees something uh, happening here that he can't explain. Uh, because as this guy dresses up as the Santa, he he resembles Micah perfectly, even down to the hole in Micah's uh, Santa suit where he was stabbed the night before. So as the morning wears on, Cranston is relentlessly teased and haunted by this new Santa who appears to manifest objects related to the previous night's murder, such as a toy bat hidden in the empty safe for the insurance investigators to find, uh, which briefly attacks Cranston. And, uh, of course, the briefcase full of cash that Cranston had hidden away that suddenly turns up as a gift for one of the children lining up to see Santa. And then uh, the story concludes um, with Cranston thinking that the old man must know about the murder and yet he's simply toying with him before turning him over to the police. So he decides to make his escape by disguising himself as a Santa in a spare suit and absconding with the money in order to remove the evidence from the scene. While heading out the door of the department store, a suspension clamp on a nearby power line snaps and uh, snapping the hot wire into the road and electrocuting Cranston in his Santa suit. With the smell of burning flesh hanging in the air, the money, of course, goes scattering to the four winds. Back in the department store, the substitute Santa's face melts away in a horrific slew to reveal a skeletal figure and finally metamorphoses into a ghost, bidding all the horrified parents and their traumatized children a Merry Christmas. And that's it for the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I think you did a great job. That's awesome. <laughs> Man, it was a great story, you know, so uh, I, I just love this tale. Ever since I was a kid, you know, um, I've been wanting to talk about this tale. And Misty finally gave me the opportunity when she said, hey, let's do a Christmas show this year. <laughs> yes! Ima- imagine a cat who'd kill Santa Claus. <laughs> Oh, damn. Now I want a sloth to kill a Santa. Any ideas over there, Steve? <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or a sloth dressed up as Santa killing a bunch of irritating shoppers. I mean, Misty, hasn't that Santa shark been making the rounds on, on Twitter lately? The Santa shark movie? Yeah, Santa, Santa Jaws, right? Santa Jaws, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Steve, the ideas are just endless, man. A little clip of that movie where it was a woman floating in a, a pool a pool floaty yeah. and the shark went by and it had a little Santa hat on its fins <laughs> oh man it was like adorable but also cute, like scary I guess <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> once again here is a genre that doesn't take itself so seriously so you just know that you're in for a good time you're like this movie was meant to entertain me you know yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's um, something that I, again, Steve, you know, me being the, the latecomer to movies here, I need to see because I, I dig these, you know, films that don't make it big on the circuit, but they, they're so ridiculous that you, you can't stop thinking about them afterwards for, for, for years on end. And this is the kind of yeah. concept that does that to you. It's the same with, with Slowpokes, of course. But, you know, <laughs> this being Christmas time. Obviously, this is the kind of, kind of thing you're looking for. And I'm so glad Misty and, and my other pal, Billy Delicious, on Twitter, they're the, the, the guys who are in the know with, with what's happening with horror, you know, contemporary horror. And they're the ones recommending. I'm the old guy in the group, basically. <laughs> the I, I, I do, do like that name. Oh, sorry. 
No, no worries. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ladies first. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm also into the old horror too. Like, you, I'm not really that knowledgeable about new stuff, but when things catch my eye, I will promote them and I'll be interested in them. But I, I do. I'm still like digging into the old '70s stuff and like, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, I don't mm, know. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking for a crazy horror movie from I, I think it was the '70s or '80s, there's one called Deathbed. And it's about a bed that kills you. <laughs> what? Yay! What? And it wow. stars the father from Boy Meets World. Um, <laughs> yeah, I so know. So he, he like oh. he puts his hand in the bed, um, which I guess is a waterbed or something, and he pulls his hand back up, and it's a skeleton. <laughs> wow. Okay, I got I got to see that. That's just and the fact that it's an early, you know, uh, right in our kind of wheelhouse type of movie back then. You said early '80s, right, Steve? Oh man. Uh, Either either late seventies or early eighties, oh, okay. but it just it's it's ridiculous. It's a it's a bed that kills you. <laughs> oh, I love those movies. Who among us hasn't had that fear? You know, falling <laughs> in a water bed. Typical of twenty twenty. I know so many people have water beds these days. <laughs> really? <laughs> being lulled to sleep by the sweet sweet waves and just worrying is this going to skeletalized my body by <laughs> I know we all listen it's it's on the package it's on you know you open that thing that do not do not rip that uh that tag off or that that could happen you know listen guys That's we don't exactly we... why they put that tag on there <laughs> yeah exactly we don't need <laughs> water beds over here in Taipei because we've got an abundance of earthquakes it feels like you're on a water bed every night <laughs> I mean maybe that's the next big idea the quake bed <laughs> <laughs> quake bed yeah Simulate the quake. <laughs> it's it's ten times worse if you're in San Francisco. I know, but but the, you know they'll they'll have the settings. They'll have like you know light tremors ah. or like you know catastrophic. You know you can you yeah. can do it. You can oh, brilliant, Steve. Listen, man, you're 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 an abundance of ideas, dude. You got to market some of this yeah, shit because I'm an abundance of ideas, but none of them are good. That's, <laughs> that's, well, this one is good in a horror sense, man. So I'm hoping this works itself into a story in the future. A quake bed. But, but I, I love going going back to the comic. I love this story. This story will definitely stick with me because the brilliant. art is fantastic. The story, you know, moves mm. very well. Mm. The only thing is the guy stealing all the money. It's like, dude, you you don't have any equipment. What was he gonna do? Just stuff the money in his pockets? Yeah, I mean, he's he's got the. He didn't brief- have a bag, nothing. No, he, I mean, apparently he put it into a briefcase of some sort because he. You know, he recognizes the briefcase when the Santa hands it to the kids, but they don't show that at all. So it must have happened off panel, you know, because, yeah, he has no plan whatsoever. But it must have been some kind of briefcase that he stashed it in. Uh, I guess he was thinking, you know, he could do whatever he wanted because he was also taking his, his time to stash the body because it was late at night. He was the only person there. And I think the only reason Michael was there was because he wanted to look good for the next day. So he, he wanted to make sure he sent a suit um, fits well and you know is trim for the next yeah. day's festivities. I don't know, but you're right. That that was a bit that also bothered me a little. Um, I forgot to mention though, guys, that uh, the horror host this time around um, is one of the Hecate, and uh, it's uh, Cynthia. You know the the hot one of the, the of the bunch because you know the Hecate being three witches. Uh, come on, Misty. I mean, you know. Uh, you, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm. I've taken some things off of that, but you know, yes, yeah, she's definitely. I'm gonna say she's very, very attractive in a, in a very stylish and sexy way. That's all. I'm not gonna rate her. Come on. I mean, Misty, you're way hotter. I'm doing it ironically. I'm. Being I know. Ironic. <laughs> 
I'm ironically countering your irony with my stupidity. <laughs> I love our horror host. I'm such a fan of Cynthia. I love her style, and I really love her '70s lingo. The way she oh, she's uh, a cool cat. Yeah, imagine a cat who'd kill Santa Claus. I you love know. It. Uh, that freaky cat doesn't know it, but there's a lot more coincidence in store for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like kind of reminds that... me of, like, the Warriors, like the the announcer or, like, the radio broadcaster oh, in the yeah. Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a, oh, it's a classic movie. Misty, you've seen that, right? The Warriors? With, yeah. With young that. James Remar. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. He's, he's you, you know who I'm talking about, right? James Remar. The... Uh, actor who played later on he was uh in sex in the city as well he was one of uh, um you know he, he never made it big afterwards but he was in that movie and uh man I, that dude he's got a very interesting face for me he also plays dads or some reason dads roles in, in I, th- I think he was in dexter right wasn't he wasn't he the oh yeah he's the dad in the dexter father. Yeah. the father yeah. who who the police officer dad who coaches him to be a serial killer and then kills himself for you know perfect, because of the perfect guilt perfect segue Oh, no, but well, it's horror. It's horror, man. <laughs> it's a good segue. Yeah. But don't you guys just love, uh, you know, the look of, of Cynthia? You know, the you know the color scheme, of course, being definitely reminiscent of, of Vampira or, you know, also Elvira. But she was now before Elvira, technically. But the brooch, that just sells me completely on her look. You know, that skull brooch or yeah. something that she has? Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. brooch and her... Uh, eye makeup, how it's winged that goes all the way up to her temples. Oh, yeah. She's, oh, she's fierce excellent. blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. I love it. She's, she can pull a sinister look. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then, you know, uh, I wanted to ask you guys, like, um, uh, what did you guys think of the the plot, though? The overall plot? I mean, does it make sense? A guy stealing from himself? Uh, it does make a little bit of sense, but for me, I mean that 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 I mean that maybe you should have, I don't know. Uh, will the insurance company pay out if someone cleans out your safe? I mean, the the investigation would be a lot more thorough, you know, than just uh, you know, because obviously did he he must have cracked the safe to make it look real, right? Yeah. Um, but like you it, say, I mean, if, if Ocean's Eleven has taught me anything, it's that you can steal from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Okay, well, a good point, Steve. I am noticing a big trend in these old horror comics where insurance fraud is just a huge motivation for a lot of murders that happen. That must have been a big problem from, like, the 50s to the 70s. Uh, People committing insurance fraud is such a motivation for for crimes, for murder. It even happens in another story we're going to talk about today yeah the third one yeah which is uh, about inheritance or about you know obviously about uh, you know getting insurance money off of a dead relative yeah you're right that that's a big motivator for these evil folks in comics for some reason it must have been a sign of the times you're right i mean nixon fraud <laughs> who knows <laughs> in the I 70s wonder. so yeah, yeah. Well, the thing i have to say about the plot is the at the end when he gets electrocuted I wasn't sure what happened it was just it happened out of nowhere it was just like he was almost almost uh, in the clear and then suddenly the wire snaps and it electrocutes him and he's dead and I was just like oh okay that alright you know at, yeah. at first I thought he hit by a comet and I was like wait what <laughs> but it wasn't a comet <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, at first I was like, "How are you gonna have a story <laughs> ended ended by hit by a comet?" But uh, then I then I realized what was going on. I was like, "Oh, okay, I see, I see." So yeah, you know, this begs the next question: Who is the personage who showed up to fill in for Santa? Just who was the 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 substitute Santa? I mean, was it actually the ghost of the murdered Micah, or was it Death himself? Because I, I mean, feel like this, it has to be. I feel like it has to be Death because. Yeah. Uh, if it was if it was Mike, I mean, I or or you know, but if it was Micah, I feel like everybody would just recognize him, be like, oh, we, he's here again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He would look exactly the same. You know what yeah. I mean? It's only been a day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it seems that the guy that shows up to apply for the job, right? He's definitely emaciated. He he has the look of someone like if you think death trying to look human, <laughs> this is probably what yeah. he would look like. Death warmed over. <laughs> you know what's that expression? <laughs> But, I, uh, I want to see a horror comic like that where it's death trying to pa- you know pass as, as Santa Claus and he's in the mirror like all right is this cool you know, maybe maybe I'll, I'll do this look maybe not I don't know do I need the brooch I don't know oh that's brilliant I would love to see that I would love to see a fashion montage of death because he's always so stylish and he always you know he dresses for the occasion he knows how to dress and so uh, yeah so that's something I would love absolutely he's love. like oh, I don't know I don't know if these boots work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no my feet rattle around inside them but um you know it's also what something that you'll find from previous shows um that we've done steve we you know weird war tales has the the horror host as being death himself and every single issue starts with him dressed up as in a different soldier's uniform you know okay. uh, fitting the era of the the story that they're talking about and misty and i we love that but you know even in 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 other tales, like Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death, death is very fashionable. At least the red death is when he shows up in person. Right, Misty? And we did a comic book um, actually based off of a Richard Corbin comic. Uh, rest in peace, Richard. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But um, about the Mask of the Red Death. And Misty, you'd remember his attire was incredible the, what, yes. that he wore. So very fashionable guy, old death. Yeah. He's Suave. Like, uh... Master of disguise. It, he could be any. It or they or she could be anyone at any time. Yeah, he's the saint. He he no, he's Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. You know, but <laughs> no mission is impossible for him because he takes out this fake Santa lickety split, bam, final destination. You know, power line electrocutes him. It's totally believable. <laughs> yeah, if it's dead. But, but I did I, I did find it funny at the end when. <laughs> You know, he just melts and is, you know, he's like in front of all these kids and everything. He could have just waited until, you know, the line was over before, but I guess he had to be dramatic about it. He was like, oh, time to melt. He liquefies. Amazing sequence. There's uh, three panels where his face melts off and then you just see like the skull revealed underneath. Yeah. So good. And and he even talks during the process of of what liquefying. He says, I'm sorry, boys and girls, but Santa's job is done here and he must leave now. And then everybody's running like mad for the doors. And the girl on his lap, just think about her. She's going to grow up in a mental asylum for the rest of her life. <laughs> and then, you know, he says, Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> what? <laughs> Damn I, I, I was hoping in the, in the lettering that he was going to be like, he would sound a little bit melty, 
Thinking like a creator there, Steve. I mean, that's, that's something I'd expect from someone like you. That's like Alan Moore level script tweaks that you're you're putting in there. <laughs> but imagine those notes like editing, you're like more melty. Please. <laughs> I think the letter's drippy. Yeah. Yeah, a little drippy, please. Oh man, speaking about Alan Moore, this this Santa resembles Alan Moore. <laughs> He does. I mean, he resembles Alan Moore when people are fucking with Watchmen. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> and he traumatizes people, you know, verbally, <laughs> just the same as Alan Moore would <laughs> to DC executives. <Yeah. laughs> so, oh, guys, great story. Now, um, since we're using the sleigh bell rating system, Steve, and you're the guest, I'm going to let you go first. Um, and don't be shy with, with, with going high. Um, how do you rate this? How many sleigh bells out of five would you give this story? I would give this 4.5 out of 5. This story was excellent. I, I loved the art. I loved everything about it. It was just a perfect, uh, you know, a perfect read for the holidays. And, you know, it's scary and it, and it teaches a lesson and it tells you about why insurance fraud is bad. So, you know, I really, I really love this and I, I'm really glad that you said this to me and I appreciate it. I love that last bit, Misty, tells you why insurance fraud is bad <laughs> because death will show up and because a melty Santa Claus might come and, and electrocute you. Remember he that. got so. If you think about it, guys, he got the easy way out. Think about the the parents and the kids who have to live with years of trauma and psychological trauma. I mean, he got the easy way out. <laughs> you know that. Oh. me wonder if like the insurance industry didn't fund some of these comics. You know, were they like? <laughs> <laughs> ten, 10 years from now there's going to be a documentary about this guy about how he committed insurance fraud and he told everybody that he was committing insurance fraud in his comics but like nobody knew <laughs> <laughs> come on guys be realistic these comics in, in the 70s they were promoting fraud think about it sea monkeys <laughs> oh they're alive purchase these sea monkeys <laughs> real oh, x-ray wow. glasses you could literally buy a live monkey. I feel, I, I think, I, I swear I've seen ads where you could order an actual live monkey. No, no, that was in the 50s. You're right, Misty. That was some of the old ads in the 1950s, the EC comics, you know, the, the eerie comics of the time. They had, you could, like, get a real rhesus monkey, you know, um, oh, so crazy. Steve, you're going to have to, like, uh, if you ever do Listen, another... I'll, I'll, get all the, I'll get all the box tops if I, if I need to. So I can get that recess mon monkey. That Dude, would be amazing. I, if I was a kid, I would totally put in for that. Be like, oh man, I gotta save up. I'd <laughs> save up on my paper route, which I never had. <laughs> <laughs> but um, listen, Steve, if you ever do another Kickstarter and uh, you know you go through your tiers, you're editing your tiers. You know, put a tier in there. You know, like fifty million uh, donation to you know then uh, you ship genetically engineered sloths along with the comic. <laughs> Well, here's the thing: the people that funded this, like, they're crazy. Like, they're awesomely crazy. Um, and I feel like somebody, somebody would want to get it. Um, I mean, I had, I had a tier where people can get killed by a slowpoke in the next one. Bloody and horror that fans sold out immediately. Oh my god! If I want to go out, I want to be killed by one of these slowpokes. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, the irony in the name itself, you know. Is, is is great you know they're they're slow pokes but you know they're that's not 
you know, when, when you insult them with that name, that's not insulting at all because they're way faster than, than a human will ever yes, be. <laughs> that, that's like a, that's like a slur. That's like a, yeah. a, a special slur in sloth language. It, a it's a, it's a slur. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And, you know, uh, obviously this will... gives us, yes, Misty, sorry. Oh, but they will poke you. With their <laughs> oh, 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 that's right. That's right. Yeah. They won't poke you on Facebook. They'll poke you, <laughs> They'll and, poke you in life. and yes. an eyeball will be at the end of a claw, or maybe two eyeballs, and uh, yes. they'll oh. wiggle it at you with an evil grin on their face. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, just read the goddamn comic. Just read Slowpokes. You'll know what we're, we're talking about. I, I might use that as a quote. Read the goddamn comic. The long box. <laughs> Do it. I, I, I sign off on that, Steve. Totally. All right, excellent. <laughs> excellent. So we're we're heading off into uh, so so Steve, you've given it four point five out of five sleigh bells. Misty. Yeah. Misty, how about you? Four point five out of five sleigh bells for me as well. Guys, I've got I, one word for you. Well, yeah. I loved it. I just thought like that random piece of the building falling on him that's what i thought it was at first i didn't understand him being electrocuted randomly i was like well okay sure you know yeah but that way now i like it even more so i'm gonna say 4.75 holy crap <laughs> you're bending the rules misty but it's fine <laughs> since <laughs> since we have a guest i won't you know um nazi style you know uh you know um berate you <laughs> or scold you for that no, but um, you guys, I have one word for you. You're Philistines because I give it a solid five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm biased here because this was one of my favorite childhood Christmas stories. Nowhere near, of course, my favorite horror short anthology story, but definitely one of my favorite Christmas stories. So, you know, since it was my pick, right, Misty and Steve, I ended up picking my three favorite Christmas horror stories. <laughs> and that's why we're doing the show today. But... Yeah, so we're probably going to see some high ratings for me uh, throughout the show. But um, speaking about that, Misty, we're heading off into our second comic. Um, you're actually going to do the synopses for the second and third one. Um, mm -hmm. So thanks for that. And, you know, a mm -hmm. testament to my laziness and also my <laughs> ability to delegate responsibility on this show. Steve, uh, by the way, I should mention Misty's now basically the presenter. This is Misty Graves presents the Long Box of Darkness. So I'm still, you know, I'm still doing a power play here. You know, I'm the old CEO being pushed out by youth here, but I'm still holding on to what shreds of power I can. <laughs> Are, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably in your relationship. <laughs> no, things, things are good there. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> She also might murder me, which uh, if, if I if I die by Christmas, that'll be another horror comic. So, um, what do you get if you deep fry Santa Claus? I don't know, Misty. What do you get when you deep fry Santa Claus? Chris Kringle. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Kringle. Excellent. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Misty. Well done. Yeah, you're you're definitely you're 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 pushing yourself here. I I can see you're you're improving. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Harmon. Yeah, makes me glad I hired you <laughs> as an employee. You got a lot of the work ahead of you, but well done. <laughs> 
No, folks, I'm kidding. It's the other way around these days. So listen, guys, second story. Before we get into this, we need to get serious here. And I'm serious here about getting serious. I'm not just being facetious. We got to get serious here for a minute because um, recently the horror comic industry and the horror industry and the album cover, the music album cover industry, basically the art industry as a whole has lost a seminal creator. And his name is Richard Corbin. In the beginning of the month, uh, Rich Corbin, the famous illustrator from, you know, most people would probably know him from doing Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell um, album cover. But he's been a horror comic artist since the 60s with independent titles like Fantagore. And then he went over to Warren Magazine's is Creepy and Eerie. And uh, he did a lot of uh, self-published material, all horror and sci-fi. He's got a very singular style. He's my one of my favorites, right along with Bernie Wrightson. And when Bernie died, I was very upset for weeks on end. And um, I think that sort of desensitized me to, to the deaths of favorite creators because I still haven't dealt with the fact that we lost Richard Corbin. Uh, but Misty, you and I, we have a history with him, uh, you know, in the show itself with Long Box of Darkness. We've done um, The Mask of the Red Death, which is from his uh, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, collection, the Spirits of the Dead, and uh, we did a whole show on Richard Corbin. And before that, when I was doing this the, the show on my own, I did a couple of Richard Corbin shows. I'm a huge fan of his, and I'm very sad to to say goodbye to such a talent. He was 80 years old. He died from heart complications during surgery uh, in the beginning of the month. And um, I just want to wish you know the best to his family and um, uh, keep them in my thoughts during this trying time. And to all his fans who feel the same way as me. So, so Misty, that's my bit about Richard Corbin. We're going to do a tribute episode to him sometime in the future. But what, for now, I'll let you speak a bit on Richard Corbin as well. Um, okay. Um, I'll just read something that was written in previewsworld.com magazine. Because I am a new fan to this horror comic, so... I can't claim to have been a lifelong fan of Richard Corbin. I only recently came across his work, which is kind of sad that he's gone now. So, so um, yeah, I'll just read this really lovely quote. Uh, Richard was very appreciative of the love for his art that was shown by you, his fans. Your support over the decades meant a great deal to him. He tried to repay your support by working diligently on each piece of art going out to you. Although Richard has left us, his work will live on and his memory will live always in our hearts. And that is by Donna Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one, Misty. Thanks. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that. I, I guess I must have retweeted it, but I was so wrapped up in my own sorrow, <laughs> my self-pity at losing this guy. And uh, obviously also now I feel for his family because he did have a, a, a family and he did have kids and obviously they stuck by him through thick and thin. And uh, during to lose someone like that during 2020, no less, and Christmas time, so close to Christmas, is, is a horror into itself. But, you know, we will remember him and, you know, keep his legacy alive by talking a lot of comics done by Richard over the years. And um, I don't know, Steve, did you ever encounter Rich, Richard Corbin in your horror reading? He's mostly an independent uh, guy. Yeah. 
I, I have definitely seen that artwork before, uh, but I, I, I did not. I don't, I don't think I have. So I need to definitely take a take a trip and uh, go look at more of his stuff because mm-hmm. it looks it looks amazing. Yeah, no, he's he's, he's a very, um, you know, eclectic kind of artist. You know, no buddy that I can compare him to. Maybe a little bit of R. Crumb, we once said, right, Misty? But he's a more polished type of R. Crumb. And I don't think he yeah. was influenced by R. Crumb at all. He was more influenced by guys like Frank Frazetta. But he distorted the kind of uh, beautiful figures of Frank Frazetta to be more in line with horror. And um, that was that was what basically what he was known for, horror and sci-fi throughout his, his life. And um, one of the greats, definitely... In the top three, not just in my personal top three, but I'd say in the top three horror comic artists of all time, Richard Corbin is definitely one of those three. You know, let's say the Mount Rushmore, top four of horror comic artists. Uh, Rich will be there. And um, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Corbin. Well, thanks for everything you've given us. So obviously, I did not, in fact, pick this next story because of Richard's death. It was on the docket already, right, Misty, when I sent it to you way back? Um mm-hmm. Uh, it just so happened that, you know, this is just, um, I, I'm not going to call it fortuitous or serendipitous. This is just a tragedy. But, you know, it turns out that he was on our slate to discuss, you know, one of his short stories, which appeared in Creepy, uh, number 59. And let me give you a little bit of the specs of this story, folks. Uh, Richard was obviously known for working for Warren magazines. I think that's where he made his name in comics. But, you know, he was obviously also doing art for a variety of other media. And uh, like I mentioned, the, the Bad Out of Hell cover for Meatloaf, he also did a lot of other album covers, which you can find by checking it online. I think there might also be an album um, being printed soon of Richard's art in other media. Um, I think I, I read something about that. I'm not quite sure about that. I'll drop that in the show notes uh, when I can confirm that, listeners. But to get back to the story we're talking about, this is from Creepy Number 59. And this is the story called Bless Us, Father. <clears throat> and it was only seven pages, written by Bill Dubay, one of the mainstays of the Warren magazines as a writer, and then, of course, art by Rich Corbin. And this was reprinted in Comics International Number no. 1 in that very same year of 1974, where this story first saw print in Creepy Number no. 59. So, um, Misty, I'm going to let you run with the synopsis. Oh, by the way, the cover art, which is... Uh, definitely it, it's sort of like the first panel uh, the cover art to creepy number 59 shows shows the first panel of the story uh, which is Santa going through a chimney with an axe and uh, a, a very you know naked lady <laughs> lying in the in the room below um, which is a very striking cover that was in fact not done by Richard Corbin that was done by the great Spanish master Manuel San Julian I I'd encourage all of you listeners who don't know about him also to look up his covers for stuff like Vampirella and, of course, the creepy and eerie magazines from Warren. So, Misty, I'm going to let you run with the synopsis on this one. Take it away. Regale us with, with your take. Okay. Okay. And just as a preface, I remember when we talked about doing this comic and you said, we don't need to do a synopsis for this one. <laughs> For obvious reasons, I don't know why you said that. Okay, they're just like okay, mm, but the, I tend to write my own synopsis as I am reading them, just yeah. so I remember what happens, just so like it helps solidify it in my mind. Right. So I'm gonna read to you what I wrote down as I was reading the comic, 
but it's not exactly an official synopsis. No, I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. The reason why I, I said that, though, does not make sense now, but in fact, it's because it was an experimental comic at the time where there's two narrators. You know, there's two narrators. So, of course, you could put that into synopsis. It's just a little bit difficult because usually you have one narrator and then, you know, um, one story. This is actually two stories running side by side, which is mm-hmm. great. But I'm, I'm sure, Misty, if there's anybody who can do the synopsis justice, it'll be you. <laughs> so, well, let's um, give it a shot. Go for it. <laughs> let's put ass in the head. Oh, damn. <laughs> Yeah, it's an axe on the cover, folks, but a meat cleaver. <laughs> Give it a meat cleaver. Meat okay. Cleaver. All right. Setting the scene opens with axe murder. We see the chopped up body. And, and this is after, of course, seeing the frame of the Santa perched on the roof with the executioner's axe. Uh, so uh, we're into the scene. Axe murder. We see the chopped up body. We see the cop discover the body, and then our title sequence. Cop standing around looking at Carolyn kids. Dialogue of two elderly people, presumably the killer's parents, I have in parentheses, talking about if, if they went wrong as parents, adding backstory to the killer. Surprise, he hates his mother, also in parentheses. <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Father says, he'd kill you if he had the guts. (laughs) Thanks, husband. (laughs) (laughs) The parents devolve into blaming each other. Turns out the father beat him. The mother is blamed because she was always nagging and being drunk. And we also learn, so while we are hearing this dialogue, while we are hearing this dialogue of the two parents arguing with each other, we are seeing this axe-murdering Santa stalking around the city. And at the same time, we are learning the backstory of the cop in, in the right-hand side of the page. He has left his family to go live in New York. Uh, he has to find, and, and now it's Christmas Eve, and of course there's a Santa murdering people on Christmas Eve because that's what happens in the big city, people. If you live to a big city, you just better be prepared for uh, Santa Claus to be stalking around murdering people on uh, Christmas Eve. Um, So it's his job to find this killer. He protects a small girl caroler from being attacked, but then he just lets her go. (laughs) (laughs) Escort her home, dude. (laughs) Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's just what I wrote down. This is a terrible synopsis. She gets attacked by the killer. He intervenes, gets whacked with the cleaver. The killer goes for the girl, but he shoots him. The cop dies in the girl's arms, thinking of his own daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a brilliantly done synopsis. I was thinking about how to spro- approach the synopsis for many different ways, but I couldn't do it, so that's why I said let's just... Not do the synopsis on this one, but that you did it well, Misty. Um, yeah, guys, what do you th- I mean, let's talk about this. There's a lot to unpack here. Steve, I'll start with you, bud. Like, what did you think five, of this? Five, five stars. This one was excellent. Like, I mean, I love, I love everything. To be, to be quite honest with you, I always find the positive. 
But this, uh, just the art was incredible. The story, like the fact that there are two narrators, hmm. um, it's just so different and so unique. Um, and it's so, uh, it's scary, but it's like beautiful scary at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it, it was just very cool to see and, and uh, definitely one of, I love this one the most. Oh, okay. This is your favorite. Oh, nice, Steve. Oh, Rich Richard Corbin is definitely applauding you, man. At this point in time, I'm sure beyond the grave, right? because this is also a story that he, you know, felt was uh, one of his uh, well best, at least, um, you know, renditions for the the creepy magazine. You know, he's done many great stories uh, for heavy metal and so forth, but this was one of his favorites. So I I'm glad that made an impact on you because you know experimental comics. Uh, you know, using some kind of experimental narration system, it always, you know, it's kind of hit and miss. And and this one has been some problematic for some of my friends who've read it. But uh, Misty, what about you? Like, how did you find the narration technique and how did that impact your enjoyment of the story? I really liked it. I thought it was so creative. Yeah. Uh, I really thought it was super creative. Um, and it was a... I, I don't think I don't even think it was really that disorienting. I feel like I've seen maybe almost enough movies that try to do this, and some do it successfully and some don't. You know, it's kind of it's a difficult thing to pull off. So I was really impressed by this story's ability to pull it off. The artist uh, and the writer coming together to pull it off. Yeah, really. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, the very first panel. Um where you know they they mention the title of the story bless his father um the the cop willie and the killer randolph there plus some of the victims are both in the same scene together and then you've got the two narrators in the scene as well as caption boxes but they're you know obviously drawn in so that is already you know brilliant because then they go their separate ways for a while and then they come back at the at the very end well, some of the characters, the characters who make it out alive at least, do. And, uh, you know, Uncle Creepy obviously being the host that introduces this story. And it seems that he's swinging a dead cat or something when we first God. meet him. What is that? He's holding some kind of animal by its tail. I hope it's not a... Well, sloths don't have tails, do they, Steve? But uh, <laughs> it's definitely not a sloth because Cre Uncle Creepy's face would be gone. But um, what is he doing there? I mean, damn... Um, I would think I think it's a cat because he. I feel like serial killers tail. when they're young, like they they torture animals. It's something they're known for. Yeah, and true. The parents okay. in the story. The parents are just talking about how this kid has like been like this since they were young. They're just arguing about why is this? Why is he like this? Was it was it something we did? Was it because you nagged too much? Or was it because you used to beat him? You know. Come on, his mom is Norman Bates' mother on speed, Misty. She's worse than, 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 than Norman Bates' mom. I mean, think about when, when you progress through their dialogue, you know, that, that Randolph's mom and dad are having, you know, the, the things they've subjected this kid to is horrible. You know, like, um, yeah. and then I think the reason Uncle Creepy is obviously holding the dead cat, swinging the dead cat, is because he just, he goes too far with his puns. He says, uh, it's a creep, uh, Uncle Creepy with a, Christmas tail, you know, so oh, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> oh man, that's going too far, Uncle Creepy. But um, so the first lady he murders, that is a 
basically a substitute for his mom, I think, because as he stalks this old lady, who, by the way, gave him a bit of um, a charity, you know, because he was ringing his bell on the sidewalk. I think that's him. Um, and he follows her into an alley and, um, you know, his eyes are red as he attacks her. I thought that was a nice effect. Almost as if the blood on the cleaver from the previous murder is sort of reflecting off, off of the street lamp into his eyes. I don't know. It's just a weird effect. Oh, yeah. It's, it's absolutely awesome. Like, it's it's wonderful. Like, all this is so beautifully horrifying. Yeah. It's like a, this montage of horror you know, scene upon scene upon scene, and then it's juxtaposed with more normal scenes of this cop, Willie, getting, you know, the all points bulletin from, from another guy, from another cop driving by. And then, you know, think how brilliantly it's done. This is Alan Moore level stuff where uh, everything they mention in the dialogue panels featuring the cop is reflected as an image in the in the dialogue box right next to it on the left. Think about it. He says, it's Santa, and he's using... A meat axe for his work and in that same panel right to the left we see a great big almost like a splash panel of the meat axe with the dead eyes of the victim staring up at the axe you know <laughs> illustrating it even more it's just brilliant so credit needs to go for to Bill Dubay the writer too because he probably had a lot to do with this as well you know setting up but you know Richard Corbin uh, great at doing this kind of stuff, inserting lots of stuff on its own. We don't know how far it went, but you know, this is a collaboration, certainly. But Corbin did that some. That must have been. Such... Oh, I'm so sorry. I just get a thought and I just say it. No, go for it, Misty. Go for it. It must have been such a challenge to narrate a story while also describing what is happening in that panel, because it's like saying it's just it's telling us the backstory but then it is also illustrating what's happening in the panel as well so the narration has to do almost double duty which is what makes it such a feat uh and so impressive yeah 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 i mean uh steve you you're more in the know with this buddy with with you know the way the writer interacts with the artist but I'm thinking Bill Dubay had more of the credit here for the story as it progressed than than Corbin did because I've read some of Bill Dubay's old scripts, you know, and it's it's very detailed, very intricate. He's almost like a movie director. Um, and Steve, you could speak more on that. Um, you know, he's almost setting the scene uh, more so than the artist in in, in most cases. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the, na- the narrator, you know, is definitely a, a major part of the story, especially with two. I mean to take a creative risk like that is just awesome. Like it's so cool to just see people taking risks and doing something different that's never been done before. And he definitely set the scene and, and uh, you know, just putting both characters in the same scene. And it's like, you're kind of getting two stories, which is just incredible. Yeah. And he, he definitely did that. And he definitely executed it incredibly well. That's right. And in, Sorry, Misty, you go. Oh yeah. And they, they and they both, they end at the same place though you know it's they end at the same place yeah it's like a sliding doors of a santa horror that's right listen to this theory guys like as we're progressing through the murders and the cops uh, hunt for the murderer um we're also progressing through the mind of randolph because 
the the first victim he kills is completely random. It's basically just to tantalize the readers to be drawn into the story. That's why it's featured on the cover. You know, it's just some random woman lying in an apartment. But then as we learn the story of Randolph, he progressive progressively goes from killing his mom. Then, you know, after that, he he kill he goes towards killing a family who's dysfunctional because he overheard them having a fight which is what also basically killing his family then you know and then he he goes to hunt down the little girl which is him uh, symbolic of him wanting to kill himself the innocent part of himself and that is luckily where he's stopped by a cop who himself has a daughter and now misses the daughter and substitute that you know, hole in his life for saving a little girl who reminds him of his daughter. You know, so it's very meta, but very deep. It's it's layered. It's this story is like more than just face value, like the first story was. You know, it's just it gives you so much once you delve into its uh, bloody depths. It's 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 just brilliant. Like it, it if this this is like a Criterion Collection movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is something that has a circle. Um, it I don't know. It's a weird uh, transition, I guess, but. This reminds me of the movie, uh, it's an old movie in the Criterion Collection called, I think, The Bike Thief. And in it, somebody gets their bike stolen, and then, you know, the movie is basically him going through town, like, trying to find this bike. But then, uh, you know, he he can't, he's poor, so he doesn't know what to do, so he ends up stealing somebody else's bike. So it's just kind of like a never-ending cycle of, of, you know, I guess in this case, murder. Uh, But it's just, it's very well-layered and very well put together. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. And it's a deep insight into the mind of a psychologically traumatized kid. And um, on both sides, maybe, because the little girl who keeps quizzing her mom, isn't that just heartrending? Like, when's dad? Well, is he still my daddy? Where is daddy at the moment? You know, and it's the cop, Willie, in New York. And we don't know where his 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 family lives, but he's divorced from his wife. And, and it's Christmas time, too. That even compounds the tragedy, right? of his family life but it's sort of like um uh brought to bear he, he sort of gets closure at the end by saving a little girl but it's not enough because christmas time family time he's on the beat there's murder dysfunctional family versus another dysfunctional family in a totally different way there's just so much to say about the story i'm almost scared to go too deep into it because we've got another tale to cover but <laughs> damn what a good tale um misty I'm I'm not even going to go down the line. Steve, you've already said five out of five sleigh bells. I'm calling it. It's five. It's a five for me, too. Misty, what about you? We'll do five out of five for me, too. Oh, brilliant. Okay, guys, I'm so happy you like the story. Because like I say, it's a polarizing kind of tale with the other folks that I've spoken to in the horror community who's read it. Uh, but, you know, their uh, critique is sometimes more from a coloring standpoint. You know, they, they don't always like the muddy colors. They like the more bright colors when it comes to... But, you know, if you're used to reading the the color um, fair from the creepy magazines and the Warren magazines, which was few and far between, but every now and then they would have a colored story in there. It's always like this. It's The, the colors are very muddy, and it's meant to be like that to evoke shadows and, and horror and almost like a, a dirtiness, a vileness to the horror. You know, it's it's a conscious choice um, of the editorial, you know, staff and also the artist and the colorist. But but that's such an awesome thing that all the all the pieces kind of come together here, because if one of those pieces like didn't work, then the whole thing would would fall apart. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's like a perfect concatenation of like you say the different pieces of, of what makes a good comic so guys yeah I'm glad we're in agreement um, it's probably hard not to be in agreement because it's not because of my taste that I really just pick these stories it's because they're famous actually these three Christmas stories so I just happened to have read two of them when I was a kid you know which I liked and um, you know this this last one though strangely the oldest among the bunch which was published in the vault of horror right Misty in on the, in the EC magazines the EC comics of, of the 1950s this was the one I read most recently <laughs> you know for the first time <laughs> I mean, when I say recent, because I'm an old guy, I mean like, you know, 15 years ago. Or, <laughs> But still, that is recent because the first two I read like, what, 30, 35 years ago? So, yeah, let's let's speak on the final tale, guys, which is also considered a classic. And that is straight from the EC Vault of Horror. I'll introduce the spec, same as we did with the previous issue, Misty, and then you're going to be doing the synopsis. Um, if that's okay with you, <laughs> I hope. Yes, and it will be better than the previous synopsis, I promise. No, but it's just because the previous one was a tough one, a tough nut to crack. This one's more straightforward, but very, um, you know, uh, unique in its, uh, you know, ending and in, in its payoff, like most EC tales were. And it's called, uh, And All Through the House. And this is by Johnny Craig, a legend, right, Misty? One of our favorite EC artists. And he ended up writing this story as well. Yeah. Oh, God, imagine. Just imagine the possibilities of being able to write and draw your own comics. That's right. <laughs> oh, Misty. Well, you're sort of living the dream. And, uh, you know, Steve, you guys, <laughs> I mean, Steve has successfully, you know, implemented his dream. So, yeah, um, Johnny Craig, you know, you can look up to him because the legend. And uh, this is from the Vault of Horror number 35, right, Misty? The cover itself does not reflect what's happening in the comic itself. The cover of the Vault of Horror number 55, uh, number 35 from 1954 shows a husband about to murder his wife after gifting her with a coffin for Christmas <laughs> under the Christmas tree. <laughs> and that's also by Craig. A uh, brilliant cover, but it's got nothing to do with the story, <laughs> which you'll soon it's see. Like, it's like a, it's like a one, it's like a joke, you know, a yeah. one page. It's just funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great one-page story, all contained in a single cover panel, splash mm -hmm. panel. So wonderful. So Misty, I'm gonna let you run with this. Um, uh, Vault of Horror number thirty-five, the story, and all through the house, one of the classics of EC, so classic that they included it in their EC seventy-five year best of collection, which has been recently collected, and you and I both were lucky enough to pick that up. Um, so tell us more about that, Misty. What's your synopsis for this issue? All right, we are introduced to our story by a jolly old Santa sitting in his office with piles of Christmas lists and toys scattered around him. After his introduction, our eyes are drawn to a scroll that says, Peace on Earth, Goodwill Toward Men, followed directly by the first panel, which is just the sound effect, WOMP! <laughs> <laughs> we turn the page to reveal that the sound was that of a wife who just murdered her husband with a fireplace poker. Ha-ha! Merry Christmas, Joseph! <laughs> Dreaming of Santa Claus! 
I think that's a very good read of this, of this comic. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, she is admiring her work when she hears her young daughter wake up. She goes upstairs to check on her. Her daughter thinks that Santa has come and wants to see him, but the mother assures her it's not time yet and puts her back to sleep. She goes back downstairs and is still happy about her decision to murder her husband. She insults him, calling him always such a mouse. And we learn that she had further motivation to cash in on that sweet life insurance policy. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Classic motivation. She lights up a cigarette and turns on the radio. She is humming and singing along to Christmas carols as she cleans up the crime scene. She briefly laments not being able to know if Joseph will like the tie she bought him. Oh, well, she says. (laughs) (laughs) Then, (laughs) then, (laughs) Then the carols on the radio are interrupted to bring a special news bulletin. A homicidal maniac has escaped from the state hospital. He has already murdered four women, and everyone should stay off the streets. Worst of all, he is six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds, and dressed as Santa Claus. A costume he had taken from a man in Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Uh, <laughs> I actually have a fun bit of trivia about that. Um, let's, let's hear it. When the news report comes over the radio, uh, declaring a mental patient has escaped from a nearby institution. Wearing a Santa Claus costume of Pleas- in the nearby town of Pleasantville, that is the village in New York where illustrator Johnny Craig was born. Seriously? Oh, wow! That's a good bit of trivia. I never knew that. Thanks, yeah. Misty. You're welcome. Regular blonde encyclopedia, and and that's an anachronism. <laughs> I'm kidding. So the wife, uh, back to our, uh, back to the Christmas murder. The wife has a stunned look on her face. Pleasantville, that's just south of here. The killer is headed her way. The radio announcer makes it a point to say he won't harm children and will only injure men if provoked. But he does love killing and disfiguring women. (laughs) Jeez. Whoa. She's sweating. How can she hide the body now? She decides she has to go. Uh, Carol will be safe. She grabs her coat to go outside, but there is a knock on the door. She looks out the window. The homicidal maniac is at her door. She picks up the phone to call the police, but realizes if they come, they will find her husband's body. Oh, no. (laughs) She decides. She decides she is going to wait for him to leave. And in the meantime, we'll stash her husband's dead body in the closet in case Carol wakes up. She hears the killer go around the side of the house. She runs to lock the back door. The windows. He'll try the windows. She frantically runs around her house, locking all of the windows. She starts moving the body of her dead husband, but stops when she realizes the killer can still break the windows. 
So she runs into the basement to grab boards and nail over the windows. Silently thanking her husband for buying uh, lumber pieces of wood. Yeah. So she's them in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, man. Uh, you know, starting to have kind of like Sick intrusive and... thoughts. Like, uh, <laughs> should I have I murdered guess there him? Was that one good thing he did, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time she passes the body, she feels the need to hide him. She is increasingly afraid of Carol seeing the dead body. She boards up the windows. She picks up the phone again to call the police, but hangs up. She finally manages to drag the body into the closet. She checks all the windows again. She checks the cellar door. She checks the windows again. She races up to the attic to check the attic. On her way down from the attic, she checks her daughter's room. And her daughter is gone! She checks the windows and the closet and comes to the conclusion that her daughter must still be in the house. She calls out, Carol, where are you? Here I am, mommy. <laughs> Here I am. I, I think you should do voiceovers for all horror comics. It's pretty good. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. I'm having a blast. <laughs> Steve, she's always like this, man. Don't, don't encourage her. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She rushes down the stairs at top speed to find her young daughter holding hands with a homicidal maniac in the Santa suit. Look, mommy, look! Santa Claus is here! Is that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> to add another layer of Christmas horror, our narrator... Oh, and then that's how the story ends. The end. But to add another layer of Christmas horror, our narrator holds off his jolly Santa face reveal that he is the vault keeper you didn't think we'd have the real santa claus in this horror mag <laughs> <laughs> heavens forbid oh no and also reveals that he's got carol's mommy's body parts in his santa's sack merry christmas <laughs> damn did frederick wortham have a point <laughs> i mean ec didn't even they even stoop so loud to ruin Christmas. I mean, just you just see Dr. Frederick Wortham now, you know, pointing at this story during the Senate hearings. Look how they're corrupting one of our most prized holidays, cherished holidays, corrupting our kids, making Santa look bad. But it's the best. And the cover, the cover definitely like I could, I could see that people being like a coffin for Christmas. Come on. Yeah. They don't even need to go into the interiors. <laughs> you know, they could just point to the covers. Oh man, it's but crazy. I, I like how they don't actually totally ruin Christmas because they do he the vault keeper does say at the end, you didn't think we'd have the real Santa Claus in this horror mag. So okay. I feel Good like point. that it's all just in fun, it's a joke, it's yeah. not the real Santa the real Santa Claus is still real. And he's still a nice you know? old guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, we've ruined Christmas for, for tons of folks because every Santa here has been reprehensible, <laughs> you know? Uh, death, Santa as death, Santa as a serial killer, Santa as the vault keeper, <laughs> advocating... Santa as Mel Gibson. Oh, oh, fat man, there you go. <laughs> Next up, Santa, 
Next year, 2021, Santa as a murderous sloth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Slow, uh, very special Slowpokes Christmas, which could happen one day. Yeah, I, I'm hoping. You know, I, I want to see that in print. It, it has to be. So you yeah, can... I want to be able to, in 40 years, when there's a robot, you guys are robots, you know, for this show. You know, you guys are like, oh, Slowpokes creator made this Christmas comic for our, our 40th Christmas special. <laughs> Oh, I'd love that. I love to feature that. Yeah, us as our robot selves, being immortal. Well, having achieved immortality through brain transplants or whatnot, and we still talk about slowpokes. I'm seeing this as a Christmas thing, a recurring Christmas thing. Steve, we'll have to have you on as a recurring <laughs> Christmas guest. <laughs> no, sure. I'm not going to take away <laughs> all of your free time. <laughs> Oh, that was a brilliant synopsis, Misty. Thanks. And I love the fact that your voices made their return. The hysterical voices, always a classic. Thank you. <laughs> and the murderous ones. <laughs> so, well oh, done. Yeah. There's just some really great dialogue in here. So I, I, I had to say some of my favorite lines, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. There's some really good dialogue courtesy of Craig. Who was quite a bit of a writer too, not just the artist, but damn, there's certainly some Craigisms in there, especially you know the the bit with you know the the mur the the body parts at the end in a in a Santa goodie bag, <laughs> you know the oh by the way I've got the dismembered remains of uh, you know um, Carol's mom. Her name's Carol, right? Damn. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Carol's mom. Her perfect for Christmas. Brilliant. For an easy Christmas, that is what the readers were wanting. <laughs> you know, they would accept nothing less than total blasphemy on the part of the easy horror hosts. But um guys, I I'll another, yeah. I have another fun fact about this comic. Drop it. We need it. Uh the when the radio announcer warns the Gaines County area of the escaped oh, maniac is Gaines. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is a reference to William Gaines, publisher of the EC Comics. That's right. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, Very Gainesville, good. Gainesville. That's right. And uh, oh, you also, know... also, when a police officer calls the wife, he says his name is Feldstein, a reference to Al Feldstein. Oh, why didn't I catch that? Of course. Yeah, Al yeah. Feldstein. Oh man, the editor and co-writer of most of the EC tales. Yeah, with William Gaines. Uh, Bill Gaines Jr. Oh man, how didn't I see that? Misty, this is why I need you, you know, in my old age, you know, things fall by the wayside. <laughs> Thanks, Misty. No, that's some, some great trivia there. Yeah, oh, I didn't catch that even. Damn. So guys, uh, ratings. Um, as ever, Steve, I'll let the guest go first. What? Did, how many sleigh bells did you give this one? Uh, I would give this one three sleigh bells because I was getting into the story and then I felt like the ending was a cop-out because it's just like the guy pulled off the mask and I was like, come on. I was like, I want to keep going with this. <laughs> <laughs> keep it keep it a real Santa. Why not go full on? Yeah, I wanted I want to see what's going to happen. But, you know, a lot of that stuff would happen in, in that, during that time period where, you know, people unmask and it's like, oh, you know, this is the real end of the story, which I guess is a, is a nice like misdirection, especially for those who read, you know, who, who have read that those comics like consecutively. But as a new reader like me, I'm like I don't I want to know more. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted more of it. And um you know that that this was my least favorite of the 3, but I did like the dialogue, I did like the art and it did create suspense and I was hooked in. I just wanted a, a better ending, I think. 
Yeah, good one. And Misty, what about you? I give it a four out of four. Saturday, yeah, four out of four. Perfection. Except perhaps some um, choices in the reprinting. Uh, we can and we can get into like the art specifics later when we're talking about you know our panels and art and stuff. But there was some there was some odd choices in the uh, stylization of how they reprinted or how they did they did the art in this reprinting of this story. Yeah. And it probably looked a bit different in its original form. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah probably, in yeah. Particular, in this particular version, there are some things that are a little questionable where I would, where, um, for instance, there's a panel where we see the wife from the side profile of her face, and there's shadow on her face, um, which is just like this field of bright green, and... It looks almost like she has her skin torn off and is like a green monster underneath her skin. Oh, like, yeah. And I think it's because they tried to do this three-dimensional shading effect, which is more modern, and then combine that with the old-school style of like these uh, fields of color that were very flat. Mm. So you have a flat field of color butting up against what looks like a, a ridge of skin. So it does look like her skin is like pulled the way that a wound heals tight around a burn, you know? So it kind of looks, <laughs> it looks like she's got like green, she's like a green mutant under her skin, you know? So I just like super weird and picky about art, you know? Yeah, I the, shuddered the at that description just now. <laughs> I was like, damn, why did you have to put it like that? But then I remembered, oh, we are doing a horror show. So it's fine. Okay, That's so the best way thing to describe it, really. Yeah. Well, it does look like that. Now I'm looking at that panel right now. So your critique is from an art standpoint, right, Misty? But the plot and the, the you know, obviously the coloring standpoint, I should say. But the plot was, was, was great. The, the setup was well done, right? I thought it was wonderful. I mm. like that it just kind of leaves us hanging. We 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 have to fill in the horror after the scene ends, mm. uh, which which seems very kind of fifties. You know, they don't. And then it also is like a key element is of horror is what you don't show. You know, what yeah. you're not gonna. Mm. I guess, I guess. I mean, okay, so that brings it to, that's, that's a great segue for me to give you my rating because I give it a four out of five. Great story, obviously a classic from the EC stable, but the reason I don't give it five out of five sleigh bells is because, you know, comics is a visual medium. You got to show, don't tell too much. This one's full of um, narration and exposition because obviously we're privy to the inner thoughts of the woman as she's stressing and running through the house and trying frantically, you know, so the pace is definitely there because you're in her shoes. You're, you know, vicariously living through her eyes as she's dealing with this horror because, I mean, you can see yourself in this 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 um this environment you know who hasn't been at home alone at night and then heard some weird noises and then checked the doors obsessively right in the windows but in her case it's even more pronounced because the killer's actually out there but you know that panel is the main reason the the, the panel where she there's the knock on the door and she looks through the window and she sees it's the killer that is told to us 
there it could have been uh, there there could have been some visual insert that Craig could have given us that showed like a hand a bloody hand you know stroking the 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 window pane maybe inserted in the door you know or something you know uh, 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 something to show us that he is out there I mean we've just we're just taking her by her word you know um, that I mean obviously it is him because he looks the part I can't believe that little Carol <laughs> fell for that you know he's a drooling maniac you know, with even the Santa beard slipping off his face but oh poor little Carol wrapped up in her dreams of Santa she she's just like that's fine. Santa's probably just had too much of that stuff that mommy and daddy keeps in the cabinet, uh, you know, up up atop the bar. <laughs> That's why Santa's a little bit out of sorts tonight. I'll sh I should give him some cookies to make him feel better. But, you know, the point is, it's a visual medium. We weren't given too many visuals until the very end, which is why the way the story was set up. But I wanted some more, uh, you know, grotesquerie in the middle of the story, you know, um, to to even maybe... Uh, push the horror a little bit further but you know of course what do I know I'm you know I'm not a writer I'm not an artist I just um, that's what I wanted but I love the story that's that's my two cents guys yeah so what do you think of that hey Agreed. I loved I loved all three stories that you sent me because I, this is stuff that I never really got to take a look at so it is really awesome to see and I'm definitely going to be looking into more of these type of stories going forward so i think you know just by sending this you influenced me and you made a made a good impression oh excellent steve that's what we want to do to all our listeners but i'm glad we did it to you because i mean obviously you're a horror comic creator now so you know um everything's an inspiration right you you find inspiration where you can take it and i think you could do worse than getting it from these guys from the classics you know but um yeah, man, that means a lot. Thanks for that, Steve. And um, speaking about that, listeners, if you want to pick this up, you can do so by purchasing that collection uh, called uh, 75 Years. It's actually called Choke Gasp, right, Misty? A selection of hand-picked EC comic stories from Dark Horse. Uh, they, they published it earlier this year. It's called The Best of 75 Years of EC Comics. And you can pick that up digitally, obviously, through places like Comixology or from the Dark Horse website. Or you can also, obviously, just buy that over places like Amazon. It's a little bit pricey, though. And then, you know, if you want to pick up the previous stories we mentioned, you can do so. Okay, this is out of print, though, I think, by picking up one of the uh, creepy archives to get the Richard Corbin tale. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, let me just uh, call up my notes, which is... Uh, failed me for some reason damn you microsoft word okay so you can pick that up creepy volume 12 which is a nice hardcover that they've been collecting recently but like i say that's out of print you might the only place you'll find that is on ebay but if you want it digitally you can do so by purchasing it straight from comiXology or from the dark horse comic book app they have all of the creepy volumes and the eerie and the vampirella collected there but the DC one we discussed earlier, folks, that's a little bit hard to come by. You're going to have to pick up the back issues by going through the bins at comic book conventions or comic stores. The Witching Hour, the one, the one we discussed first. Um, and uh, Or you can just go to eBay. I've seen it on eBay multiple times. Normally it's in lots, so you'll have to end up buying up the whole lot. But, you know, there might be other gems in that lot as well. So um it's it's not that hard to come by but but because it's early 70s it might be hard to come by in a great condition you know so you'll probably have to settle for a mid-grade or lower grade copy but it's worth it trust me yeah so that's how you can get a hold of that listeners 
Which uh, brings us to our uh, next part where we discuss favorite panels and bits of dialogue. Steve, I don't know, you don't have to have anything to bring to the table here. You could just say it's the whole comic, but if you have any favorite panels and bits of dialogue, now's the time to let us know. Um, do you have any that you particularly want to highlight? Um, I mean, I definitely like in the first comic we talked about when the guy gets electrocuted. I mean, that's very, that's very, uh, <laughs> very shocking. I, I feel like that that stuck with me because first I thought it was a comet that was hitting him, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but a lot of these are just the that second one. The art from the whole thing is just is so wonderful. It's just so beautiful, and that that's gonna stick with me forever. Just that style and. And the two narrators, like I just, it's it's brilliant. Like it's just so so cool. Um, all these all these stories were great, um, but just the art on that one, it's just I I can't stop looking at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's it's the it's the art that sells all three of these tales. But you know, the writers obviously, in many cases, were the artist. You know, so they were playing in their own sandbox. But um, you know, in the case of the first story, George Cashton. I think, you know, he was definitely, you know, influenced by stuff like Night Gallery and Twilight Zone. You know, most of those early DC horror, horror writers were. So they worked, you know, independently yeah. of the artist by sending them a full script first. So, yeah, two different worlds meeting perfectly in conjunction and just creating something new. Misty, what about you? Like, what were some of your favorite bits? In the first comic, some of my favorite panels, uh, the first page where he stabs the boss stabs the Santa and the violence happens in silhouette. Oh, I was, yes. That was like a good silhouetted uh, scene, you yeah, know? It's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It says so much. It, it, that was just perfect. Um, very Hitchcockian, you know? <laughs> There's this panel in the first story uh, where Santa with the line of children and he has a pile of strange toys behind him and there's something that looks like a monster face in the pile oh yeah i noticed that yeah let me call i that didn't up. even notice that. damn <laughs> that's, that's awesome. scary yeah i didn't include that in my notes but i noticed that oh what is that foreshadowing. foreshadowing yeah a bit of foreshadowing of the horror there damn i mean I he's also got a bat toy so just this guy's definitely a horror oriented santa having a toy bat no, so yeah. yeah. Good call, um, Misty. I Good call. Love the um, of course the one of the last panels, Santa with a skull head and the child dressed as a cowboy running away in fear. I just love that little oh, cowboy. Man. Just ah! yeah, cowboys aren't supposed to run away, kid. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's so good. yeah, psyche's and been shattered. In the, in the second story. I just love how everything looks so seedy and dirty and yeah. like depressing. It really fits the mood of the story, which is very grim. It's just a very grim story. Yeah, it fits the uh, mood of 70s New York, right? That's what they were going yeah. for. Yeah, it's spotty, dirty, moldy, uh, muddy, all of, you know, all mm. of the that end in Y. So, yeah, just very good capturing of the mood of seedy 70s santa murdering new york yeah, uh in that yeah. second story and and in the last story my favorite panels when she is picking up her husband's body and she has one foot braced and you can see in her expression how heavy he is 
and how hard she's trying to move him. And it's just a really excellent expression of the heft of a body that has gone limp and, and, and almost a metaphor for how murdering someone isn't just like a light, easy breezy thing to pull off. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, yeah. I hope none of us ever get to know what it really feels like, but Johnny Craig, how come you knew about that? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's probably a workout. I'm sure, I'm sure like Michael Myers, that's why he's so buff. And, you know, oh. Jason, Jason Voorhees, Good you know, point. murder and takes, burns calories. Definitely, definitely, man. You kind of have to have something supernatural in you. But, you know, if you're just like normal folks like us, you got to, like you say, you got to do the work, right, Steve? You got to have some some, some kind of muscle on you. I, listen, that, that's our next business venture. It'll be like a killer workout. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a killer workout for like a killer. All, all the moves be like, you know, you're swinging an axe, like that type of thing. So, there you go. Oh, my Dude. God. You're going to make so much money with that. It's going to be amazing. No. Like, just picturing a Jane Fonda style 80s workout video like you're lifting the body you're lifting, <laughs> throw it over your shoulder you're swinging ass. Steve Head no Head you top. you guys Head have top. overlooked a crucial thing here no 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 you won't make any cash off of this guys at my age people like my age who need workouts and at my in my weight class everything's a killer workout <laughs> even the lowliest <laughs> of workouts the easiest ones a killer Forget about that. Forget about it. Just, just. <laughs> anyway, so Misty, and what about the, the anything else? Like, that's it. No dialogue. I mean, you already regaled us with your brilliant, you know, voiceovers. So I guess the dialogue. My favorite bits of dialogue were were courtesy of Misty Graves <laughs> today. Oh, uh, my, well, one of my favorite bits of dialogue in the last story we we covered tonight um, was from the Vault Keeper, where he says. You see, this Santa loved to slay bells. <laughs> hey, that's where I got the, the, the rating system from. <laughs> so basically, I'm plagiarizing too. Yes, I like it. I like how he kind of ups the ante a little bit. Not only does he like to slay, but he slays bells, you know, like ladies. <laughs> yeah, bells, French bells, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. No, they're always good with their puns. Sometimes they go a little bit too far, like Uncle Creepy in the previous issue with the cat, the dead cat by the tail. <laughs> but, you know, this time, yeah, more moderate for the Vault Keeper. But, you know, usually he's also, you know, pushing the envelope. Great. Guys, Um, I don't, my favorite panels have all been stolen by you. You know, like basically what you mentioned was my favorite bits too. I don't have anything to bring to the, the, the table, which is by this time already filled with chopped body parts uh, ripe for serving up you know courtesy of uncle creep uh, of, of the vault keeper's bag so we're gonna leave it at that and then uh listeners we hope you enjoyed our christmas you know horror renditions of these tales like i say pick them up in the uh places i mentioned that where you can find them and then we're gonna hit off uh, our real meat of the this uh, particular episode, which is our Steve Urena interview. So stay tuned for that right after the short promo break, listeners. Don't go away. I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Dorn. And we want to ask you an important question. Are you sick and tired of other panel discussion shows wasting your time droning on and on about foreign policy, economics, and human rights? Or do you want to hear conversations about things that actually matter? 
We host a podcast called Radio vs. the Martians. Every month we gather a panel of our nation's finest minds and plunge a rusty prison shank into the heart of tough questions that have an impact on the lives of real people like you. Like, are drivers required to pull over for the Ghostbusters? Is the United Federation of Planets actually an oppressive dictatorship run by guidance counselors? Is Arnold Schwarzenegger secretly a genius? And are we being mean when we laugh at movies that are so bad they're good? So write your congressman and let them know that Radio vs. the Martians is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on RadioVsTheMartians.com. All right, Steve... Everything up to this point has just been a prelude. It's just been a preview to the real reason we're having this uh, episode out. Yes, it's Christmas, but our Christmas present this year is having our very first creator on. And uh, we want to pick your brains, man. Uh, not literally. Not with a big sloth claw. <laughs> we're not going to pick your brains that way. Okay, Misty, since I have to also thank you for bringing Steve to the attention of the long box of darkness bring him into our spotlight you can go first like um conduct the interview segment that you have planned first and then i'll i'll try to pick up the pieces <laughs> the bloody pieces well i just have you know with your like kind of surface level questions uh my first question is why slots <laughs> 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 Why not? Sloth. You, you, sound, you sound like my parents. My parents said the same thing when I when I, when I brought the idea to them. What the like? What are you doing? Like, why is sloth? <laughs> but uh, sloths, I feel like are just. I feel like they're they're unrepresented in the horror world. Uh, they look scary as fuck. Like they're just they're just very. They have a lot of they have claws. They just look like they're up to something. And I felt like when if life made slots fast they would be killing machines so that's kind of where slow pokes came from uh just looking at them be like you know what everybody thinks they're cute but i don't know i feel like they got some they got some damage in there <laughs> yeah they look yeah. like god's hitmen just waiting for <laughs> for the right target yeah or or should i say mother nature's hitmen it's always the ones you least suspect yeah exactly so with with slots i feel like you know no if if you know, 2020 has been a giant dumpster fire. If sloth <laughs> just act, I feel like nobody would see that coming. <laughs> yeah, we had murder hornets. Now we have killer sloths. Why not murder, why not murder sloths? Yeah. You know what I mean? Now's the time. Damn, and they're Maybe way... Maybe they could take out the hornets in a future episode. <laughs> Damn, I'm, I'm more thinking these sloths, the, the way they're e the, their, uh, their grins are all evil all the time, right, Steve? I'm thinking more that they, they, they'll team up with the hornets. <laughs> Yeah, they will. They'll they'll high five them. They'll ride them to. The, they'll use them to fly or something. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Well, that's that's a good question, Misty. I wasn't gonna go for a very obvious one like that, but that is a pertinent <laughs> line of questioning, Steve. We wanted to know what kind of a sick, twisted individual will take this lovely little amicable creature called a sloth and turn him into this raging murder machine. And now we know. <laughs> That twisted individual is you, sir. <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is me. I, I, and I apologize to everybody for uh, now that my ideas are out in the world. I can't wait to see what else is coming. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I'm, I'm your like I said, your fountain of ideas. Just, just from our conversations alone, there's so many ideas you threw out there. And, um, but that's the mark of a creator, <laughs> right, Steve? So listen, um, I want, I wanted to ask you something, something that I've, I've asked some creators on my blog, which is the only way, you know. Um, I've interviewed creators before is on the blog but um, 
you know, uh, like I'm always interested in the fact like when, when you, you know, some creators say that when they find out they want to create something is when they're inspired by something and then they think, hey, I could do something like that, but better. Or there are people who walk around all the time and everything inspires them. Everything generates a story in their mind. Like what kind of creator are you? Were you the one who was inspired by a single thing and then that made you realize you want to be a creator? Or have you always, since you were a kid, just been generating stories in your head? Um, I think as a kid, I've always generated stories in my head. And, mm. you know, I, I even walk around with, um, you know, a notepad because you never know when a good idea could, you know, just come across you yeah. while you're doing something. Yeah. So yeah. with slow pokes, um, I always wanted to write comics. I've always wanted to or be involved in comics. And uh, when I was a kid, that was like the first dream I had. I want to be a comic book artist. I want to be a comic book artist because mm. my mom could draw. And, you know, there's there's art, there's a lot of artistic people in my family. But then when I put pen to paper, it was not to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, I know. You just art, know, right? My art is, my art is, is, uh, is, is not – I've been told I have a style, but it, it is not a <laughs> – it, it is a very insulting style to real artists. So, like, I always had that in my head. I was like, oh, I'd love to be involved in comics. And then I discovered writing. And um, through writing, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could write comics again. Maybe I could figure that out. Maybe I could figure out a way to, to break in. So, you know, I come from New Jersey and there's the Kubert School and oh, yeah. they, they have a lot of great people come through there. But I, I never saw anybody that was teaching just writing, solely writing. Like you, I felt like you had to draw and I couldn't draw. So I didn't yeah. know what to do. So I always kind of backburnered it. And then I found Comics Experience, which is, you know, you can take classes on your own time. Yeah. You could, if you want to just stick to just like a writing emphasis, you could do that. If you want to be an artist, you can do that. If you want to be a letterer or colorist, like they had every piece of the puzzle so i i joined comics experience and you know at first i was like i don't know if, if people will like this or not but i'm like you know what i'm gonna workshop this story this is for my own amusement if people like it great if people don't like it that's okay too like I, it's all learning experience and oh, man, people in the class really liked it and people were laughing and having a good time i was like i gotta get this thing made because if i don't get it made it'll never get made i have to i have yeah. to figure it out I have to I have to go and, and put forth the effort and and you know believe in myself and, and invest in myself mm. and you know I I paid the fee and me an artist and they found me you know letterers and everything that needed to go with the comic and it just came out beautiful like it just came out exactly how I thought it would in my head and I was like you know what I got to share this with the world if if somebody wants to read it cool. If, I feel like it would get some attention because it's killer sloths. Like somebody will want to want to read it, um, and you know, here we are, yeah, <laughs> a yeah. successful starter leader, which is absolutely nuts. Like people from Malaysia and South Africa and Canada and all over the place wanted it. So you know, yeah, I'm just so grateful for everybody just you know giving me money and fueling my dream. I appreciate it. That you know, and my plan is to take that money and and put it towards you know future comic book projects excellent steve that's so gratifying to hear right misty because you know that's why we're you know having you on the show because we want to see more and also we want to know more and you know um i you know for me personally normally when i get a kickstarter you know recommendation from someone i take it with a heavy grain of salt because you you know you you kind of think okay you're running a horror podcast you're doing a blog you know you've read the best there is that that's out there 
And, uh, you know, you're kind of like a little bit uh, snobbish when it comes to new horror, as, at least I am as an old guy. You know, I think I'm, I'm kind of of the mentality that nothing's better than the classics. But during the, the, the last 20 years, of course, there's stuff that I've encountered that's amazing. And this is one of those things that it completely caught me by surprise. Like I wasn't I, I didn't know I needed it at the time. I wasn't looking for it, but Misty gave it to me and I was like blown away. <laughs> it was just what I needed at the right time, right, Misty? And it galvanized me to, you know, explore more new horror out there. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I got to thank both of you for that, but especially you, Steve, man. What a good time. What a wild ride. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That, that. That's really, that really means a lot to me because for me, I, I'm just a kid with a dream. You know what I mean? I just, I just want to have fun write comics and you know meet like-minded people that share the same messed up sense of humor yeah. that i guess i have <laughs> um but you know it's just really cool because it's you know who'd have thought in my mind i'm like i never thought that this would happen and of anything my first comic is the killer sloth one which is like all right the bar is here let's yeah. see where else we can <laughs> yeah, there's well, there's the only way is up. I'm thinking at this point in time, but that this you've set yourself pretty high bar, man, because it's a good comic. I'm hoping <laughs> we'll see. Misty, you're up again. Any other questions? Um, what was your favorite and or most enjoyable part about making this comic? Uh, killing teenagers. Oh. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> No, that, I mean that—that that is definitely part of it. All the kids, but um, <laughs> yeah, the king I think, part. I, I think um, you know, this this comic is a horror thing, but I, I I wanted to make sure that I inserted stuff from my life in there. So like Karate Carlos, Karate Carlos was somebody we went to high school with. That there was just a kid who, you know, loved, I feel like every every high school has a Karate Carlos where there's a kid who like thinks he knows karate. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we were the same. I feel like everybody has has a kid who just like you know really loves karate and and. And, um, you know, just kind of goes overboard with it. So I wanted to put him in there. I wanted to put, you know, just stories from my from growing up with my friends, some funny stuff in there. And like the, it goes within the dialogue. So, I, you know, my, my favorite thing is just like I get to put myself into these stories. And, you know, when people enjoy it, I'm like, oh, well, this is where this came from or this is where this, <laughs> you know, this happened in my life for real. Yeah. Uh, not the sloth part, I guess, but, uh, you know, it, it was it's just nice to know that, like, I can kind of embed my life into something creative and people enjoyed it and you know it stuck it sticks with them that's pretty cool yeah damn I, that. Love that. I love that because i i swear i've read things that say that a sign of a good writer is that they don't write themselves into their stories and like as somebody who's kind of starting to write my own well i'm writing my own stories and i tend to be like all of these characters are me, you know, like, every one of these people is me, or somebody I know, uh, but, but hearing you say that, it's, it's sort of reassuring, like, there's not really a right way to approach things, you know, and I feel like it's all maybe good, maybe even that's I, good to put I, I think it is, I think it is good, because if you put yourself in your story, you know how you reacted, you know how you, you know, if you're in a situation, you know how you would react. So I feel like that comes off, you know, it, it, it's more authentic in your characters because they know, you know how they react. You know how, because you know how you would react. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point, guys. I wasn't thinking about that, but that makes sense because, you know, um, I mean, Stephen King does that too. He says that, you know, all the characters are people he knew, but they're also him, you know, especially the childhood characters that he writes, you know. So this is, this probably got nothing to do with dialogue, but, you know, um, 
writers, you know, they have different approaches to stories. Some people write totally things out there that's nothing to do with them. They just, you know, imagine these characters. But I think, Steve, that's the strong point of this comic, at least, is that you can see personalities, which could be like sub-personalities of the overreaching personality of the creator, but it's not that obvious, you know. Every, everybody's distinct in, in their own right, you know. So, but obviously, it comes from one single person, you. So, you know, um, yeah, everything's been, you know, inspired by some parts of your life, and then, you know, twisted and and amalgamated to create this, you know, twisted bit of fun that we have in front of us. So, um, this leads into my next question, though. How much research did you have to do with modern dialogue? to get this dialogue down the way you got it down because it flows really well. And I was thinking maybe you went to a high school <laughs> or something and you're like, hey, I just want to chat with some of the kids over here. Or did you have cousins or nieces or nephews? How did you do that? Well, I, I like I like that you called me old. <laughs> which, which... <laughs> did I? <laughs> I'm projecting like, myself. You. You're not cool. Be somebody else. Dude, I'm projecting myself onto you. <laughs> I know. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. So I, I'm. I mean, I, I, I like to think myself on a little bit on the younger side. I, I'm still. I'm 31, so I think I'm. St I'm holding on for for dear life. Um, but like a lot of the the dialogue is like just from people that I know how they talk to me and how I talk oh, to them. Okay. Cool man. Um, so. I, <laughs> I don't, I'm I'm glad my dialogue is young, but I'm but but me, but I also I mean I also did research too. Like, um, I I would have you know people that I know or interns or things that I talk to them and be like, oh you know what what would they say about this or what would they say about this? Um, but you know I I it's a lot of language that I've heard before and a lot of like how I talk. Yeah. So I I just I kind of I kind of went that way. Um, but Dude, you're it, so it, diplomatic. It, 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 <laughs> my question sucked no 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 really no, no, this no, question, that question is not, not that question yeah. did not suck it's it's funny though i mean listen i'm i'm old and i am i am uh i'm a an old a grizzled young vet i like to call <laughs> that's what i like to say that's <laughs> and a... I, sa I sound like an old man but like i'm i'm not as i'm not super old anymore you know i'm not as, i'm not uh i'm not getting there but no, um no. We'll, i know we'll... what you mean <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> oh man there's such a lot of great humor in there i mean you know uh you know, even in, of course, in the dialogue, but of course, the visual humor is there too. And uh, for another question, sorry, Misty, to one up your, I'm, it's not a question. I just want to throw two names out there and, and see what you do with this Eden Rare and Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do they have in common? Is, there is some Willy Wonka. Uh, there is some definitely Willy Wonka in the, at least in the opening where she's kind of explaining like what's in the lab. There is definitely some Willy Wonka in there, I would say. But I, I kind of based the Eden Rare character on there is um, a woman who ran this company called Theranos, um, which is there's a documentary about it on HBO. And right, it's about right. this woman who basically like conned her way to like a very high level like Steve Jobs type of thing. Everybody kind of talked about how she was the future and, and everything. And then they found that it wasn't true. Like she deepened her voice to kind of appear like the Steve Jobs like figure. Um, right. So that I kind of um, based around her, and I kind of based around like you know like a Michael Jackson, somebody who Neverland you know, got their yeah got their fame <laughs> at a young age, and you know they might they might have a lab, but then they have like a, an amusement park in there too as well. Oh man, that reminds me of uh, you know like Eddie Murphy once had a skit where he said you know he visited Neverland Ranch and uh, you know uh, Bobo <laughs> the chimp 
was in in a cage <laughs> and uh, he was like oh oh he's always wanted to meet Bobo and is that Bobo and Michael was like no Eddie just just stay away from him don't go near the cage Eddie and Bobo the chip <laughs> was just going mad flinging feces and you know going like Wah! going crazy and Eddie was like that's that's Bobo oh my god I'm so disturbed right now <laughs> okay well, I can I, see I, that. I, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to like. I, I feel like in the in the horror genre, especially with their sloths becoming fast, it's like, well, that's a ridiculous thing. It would be an even more ridiculous thing if somebody had a lab that they were, you know, making all these things, and then there's there's an amusement park in there as well. <laughs> and lasers, don't forget the lasers. <laughs> and lasers, and <laughs> and lasers, don't forget lasers. That's exactly right. Oh my God, it's just so brilliant, Misty. I'll let you go. Sorry, I one upped you there with one question. <laughs> Your turn. Oh, no, that's totally fine. You have such good questions. Oh, please. Uh, you're trying to make me feel better for my earlier faux pas there, calling calling our guest old. <laughs> oh, I, I, I am old. It's, it, it, it's not a faux pas. I just, it, it's all good. <laughs> no, awesome, man. Awesome. I just I just love the way you introduce the, the violence. If we call it the silence of the lambs, this one should be called the violence of the sloths because the very first time we're introduced, it's such a great great uh, sort of transition between the panel where they're having the tour and then looking up at this 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 video that's playing this um you know uh, of the lady of eden introducing the 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 tour and then you you're thinking this is such a utopia and then the very next page is a, a great uh, an air vent and blood coming out of the air vent and this very lady who just reassured the kids is sitting in the air vent fearing for her life covered in blood <laughs> Surrounded by body parts. That's such a brilliant <laughs> transition to the horror. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at that page right now, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. Anyway, I, I don't want to spoil it's... too much for the listeners. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's okay. That was, that was on the Kickstarter. That's one of the pages I put on the Kickstarter. Yeah, because that's... It's, it's, it's just like I feel like, you know, when, when I was writing this, I wanted to make sure it's like, all right, this is, you got this comic. Thank you for buying this comic. This is what you're going to get if you keep continuing the pages. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's why I was sharing that one. But yeah, man, that was such a brilliant piece to put up there because that sells it. And even the image that Misty sent me that I mentioned earlier of the 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 little sloth leaping at a crowd of people with speed lines, and then just you see just just uh, just a single word without spoiling it too much. Evisceration. <laughs> you know, it's like that sells it for me. You know, as a horror fan, so brilliantly done. Awesome. Thank you. So, Misty, any other questions? I one last question. What was the most challenging part of making this comic? I think with anything, uh, the most challenging part is just doing it. Like it's, it's always you could always have ideas, and you could have great ideas, and you could have ideas that's never been done before. But the hardest part sometimes is just when people in your head you're like, should I do this? Is this the right thing to do? Should I make this? Is this a bad idea? You know, you kind of have that war with yourself about, you know, should I even do this? Is, is this too much? Um, but then after I had that quick conversation of like, well, this is something I would want to see. So somebody somebody out there, even if it's just one more person would want to see this. Um, and also bringing the idea, like telling my parents, hey, um, I'm going to spend this much money on this comic. What do you think? And they're like, what? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know what? If they don't think this is a good idea, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> You rebel. Oh, man, that's awesome. No, 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 that's a great story, right, Misty? We, we can all identify with that kind of thinking. 
But um, I, I like the fact, Steve, that you base your, you know, your decisions on, you know, stuff like, oh, this lady on the sloth base hates it. That means it's a success. <laughs> oh, my parents despise yeah. it. Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So, so I think with anything, with anything, mm. if you're creating art, yeah. if, if it's negative or positive, then you made it. Because if nobody reacts to anything, then that means you didn't do your job. Yeah, But if, you, if somebody hates it or loves your work, that means you've done something. Yeah. Which is which? Mean, it means you've you've uh, you've gotten a reaction, you've gotten emotion, which is what writing is supposed to do. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always wanted to make sure. So I I, uh, I went to Susquehanna University in Pennsylvania, here in the states, and um, you know, I, I actually went, you know, school for writing, and I I, I was I was um, I learned under great writers and artists and things like that, and I wanted yeah. to make sure, like, hey, I, I know how to do this, but like I'm using my power for like be horror you know what i mean like i want to using my power for like things that people think are like this is this is trash or this is low class or whatever yeah or like you know kind of that type of thing and i'm like i want to be the best at that oh man <laughs> like, brilliant you could you could write war and peace you could write crime and punishment you could write the fountainhead all that stuff but like i want to write slow pokes that's 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 the goal <laughs> and that's yeah. pure that's pure you know that that's genuine right misty Yes, life is about having fun and exactly. Like, listen, I, I I love my job, which I'm also a writer at too. But like for this, I like I can do whatever I want. There's nobody's telling me no. Nobody's telling me hey, you know you shouldn't do that or anything. Like this is this is my outlet where like I could be unfiltered, and maybe that's a bad that could be a bad thing too. <laughs> but it's just it's it's so freeing to like just be able to be like oh I, if I want to have an idea no matter how crazy or ridiculous it sounds, I can, I can do it. And luckily the people from Kickstarter or people who backed my comic, they think so too. And so I'm, I'm going to continue doing projects, you know, and you know, with, with different Kickstarters um, until there's, until people are like, no more, we're done with, no, no more. (laughs) We're done. No more. I can't laugh anymore. Yeah, man. (laughs) They're fate. You can't do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I mean, there there has to be a limit, and the limit will only be be reached when when your audience has died from laughter and from just the sheer oh, I, I, my, insanity. My goal for Slowpoke is to go as far as I can with it for as long as I can. Um, and like, if I need to take them to space, I'll take them to space. If I need to do a western, like just every every different iteration will be my love letter to things that I like and things that I want to continue doing. Amazing. So. That's so great. you're going to hopefully see some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that leads me to my final question, Steve. This is now <clears throat> a very, very inconsequential qu- uh, question. But you mentioned earlier that, you know, you put a lot of stuff that you loved in here. And, you know, maybe maybe I'm misreading a lot of the stuff. But the panel. Uh, okay, this now this is not a spoiler, I hope, where um, there's the line, Go back to hell where you came from. You dirty fucking slow pokes! How much was that inspired by Planet of the Apes? <laughs> uh, so it definitely was. That is partly, you know, that is a, a part inspiration. But that is actually inspired by, um, and this is going to sound ridiculous, uh, I love Jay and Silent Bob, right? I'm from New yeah. Jersey. Those guys are like, Kevin Smith is definitely one of my heroes where yeah. he wrote, you know, from his life, he wrote things that he wanted to write. So in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, he says, "Go go back to hell where you came from, you dirty, you dirty fucking sheep," or something like that. <laughs> so I was like, "I have to take, I have to, I have to 
you know, tell Kevin Smith, thank you for helping me do this. And she had a laser gun. So I was like, this is perfect. She'll do a drive by and then she'll say this and it'll be like a homage to that. But it'll also be like a good part of the comic. Kaboom, man, that that one hit me hard. That was brilliant. No, no, no. Great. Well, our, our listeners will have to read it to find out what we're uh, talking about, because there's way more to it than just this panel. Trust me. But yeah, Steve, brilliant, man. <laughs> I love the fact that you, you know, paid homage to so many of your favorite things that sort of influenced you. But, you know, I can see a few of them, but obviously not all of them. But the ones I saw made my day, <laughs> made my whole month. So thanks. So, so that. that's how I approach. That's how I approach the campaign because yeah. I I thought of the campaign like I what what would I want to see? Yeah. If I could, if I was buying a comic or in, investing in a comic or you know putting something towards a Kickstarter, what would I want? And of course, you know people like posters, people like T-shirts, and and I had that. But I was like, you know what? I wanted to go as crazy as possible. So I had. Like for for a price you could get killed in the next slow pokes. Um, I had a theme song made. I had a trailer done by somebody I know that works at Nickelodeon. Um, I just did as many different things as I could because I'm like I want people to get eyes to this. Yeah. What you know, if there's well, a works. killer slow poke, a killer sloth thing, and then there's a theme song for it, I, I would I would be interested. Oh damn, that's awesome. Well, I, I mean, there's a theme song. There's a theme song. So we gotta get our hands on that. <laughs> I, I I could I could send it to you guys, um, and you could you could play it uh, or, or you know whatever whatever you want to do with it, but it is made by the very talented uh, one of my best friends. His name is Blake Rains. He's done work with like Universal Music Group and things like that. Amazing. And I wanted him to do a '80s style like thriller esque, um, you know, horror type of song, and it is it is awesome. I still <laughs> sing the song. Because uh, it's it's crazy and it's incredible. Um, I'll have to I'll have to send it to you guys. Hold on, let me let me send it to you right now. Hold Thanks, Steve. Second. No, we're definitely gonna play that probably right yeah. now. <laughs> Just try to 
<laughs> this is where I where the magic of editing will come in, folks. Awesome. So, um, but yeah, I can I can send you the uh, right now. I'll just send you the YouTube link if you want to if you want to take a take a gander at it. Yes, please. Uh, yes, please, Steve. We'd we'd love to do that. Um, so so Steve, while you're doing that. Um, I want to ask as well because you know there's always this this this, this uh, phenomenon where people hear about an awesome Kickstarter project, they go to the Kickstarter's page, and then they're dismayed to see, oh, it's already been successfully funded. How the heck am I going to get my hands on the comic book now? And uh, so, obviously, the 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 final question I have for you is where, if like like me, like I've missed the campaign, but lucky enough, uh, you know, I know you, so you you and Misty send me the. The reader copy where could folks like find the the comic right now at this point in time in christmas of 2020 if they want to read it right after listening to the show so right now you could find by you can find slow pokes at uh, gumroad.com slash steve urena uh u-r-e-n-a um that is where you can find the digital version right now um i still have some orders to take care of in terms of the kickstarter but once I finish with that, I think I will have some print versions left over, some T-shirts left over, some posters left over. So whatever I have left, I will try to sell on the Gumroad. Or if I try to find another website, I'll do that. But for now, gumroad.com slash Steve Urena, you can find all your sloth horror needs right there. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. And Steve, where else can people find you on the socials? If there's anything you want to share, if if, if you don't mind people following you, your, your, your private accounts, I don't know. Um, where else can people uh, meet up with you and, 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 and have a look at your stuff? You could find me on Instagram and Twitter. I actually got an Instagram for this, uh, awesome. which I never had before. So it's been cool. But um, you could find me on Instagram at the Steve Urena, S-T-E-V-E-U-R-E-N-A. Um, you can find me uh, on both Twitter and Instagram at that. And you could find, if you want to just follow Slowpokes, uh, you could follow us at Slowpokes Comic on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Steve, thanks so much, man. I'm looking forward to our continued relationship with having you on as a recurring guest, but also more, uh, um, uh, definitely looking more forward to your future projects and, and everything you've got going. Um, you know, so I'm just glad to have met you. And it's only been like, what, a couple of weeks that I've known you. So um, this is this yeah, has been my it's, Christmas it's, gift. It's the start, the start of something great. Yeah, excellent, man. Jesus. No, you've got a supporter in the long box of darkness, definitely, and uh, we okay. highly recommend everything Steve has talked about, folks. And of course, we'll drop all of the information Steve mentioned in the show notes. So keep a look in the podcast description for all those links. But for now, Steve, listen, man, I want to wish you a merry Christmas, um, and uh, you know, have a safe time during these holidays, and uh, take care of yourself, bud, during this uh, unprecedented time. But I know you're a horror nut like us, so you've probably got a host of survival mechanisms at your disposal to avoid any horrific scenario of the apocalypse. <laughs> well, I, I have killer sloths at my, you know, at beck my, uh, <laughs> at my beck and call. So if, if anybody comes onto my property, then bam, sloth, sloth. Brilliant, man, Steve. I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking t-shirts, merchandising. I want a t-shirt with a sloth, you know, on it, just like on the cover with the little claw going through the logo there. I want T-shirts. I want cups. I want Etsy stuff. You gotta get get the ball rolling, bud. That listen, that that might be coming. I I, I own the copyright to Slowpokes. Yes, uh, I did that just in case. So my goal for the future is to have more of that stuff up. But I did, I need to I need to learn a little bit more about it. Um, but I, I did have a T-shirt. I did have posters. 
um, there definitely be more Slowpoke Sparge in the future. Excellent, but that's what I wanted to hear. So, Misty, thank you so much. For you're very, you're so very welcome. Time. And I'll, I'll love, I'll, I'll talk with the writing process. I'll talk about writing stuff any, any day because I love learning from, from other creators and other, you know, artists and all that stuff. It, it's just such a great thing to listen to. Excellent. We will definitely have you back in the future. Cool. All right, listeners, now that we've bid farewell to a great creator, uh, to Mr. Urena, we're back with one of our regular segments. This one Christmas-oriented, of course, uh, inspired by the, the, the joy of the season, Misty's Funny Bone. Misty, I'm going to let you run with this. What do you have for us on the Funny Bone docket this week? Okay, so... Carbon, my joke will have you in stitches. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm ready to be stitched up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like a corpse. So, so I googled around and I couldn't really find much Christmas horror humor. Mm -hmm. uh, there there was a couple things. Um, so what I I ended up doing is I just ended up writing some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me while I tell you some horror cr Christmas horror jokes. This is going great already. Okay. <laughs> ah, okay. Looking forward to it. Ah, what did the killer Santa with a fetish for dismembered feet say to his crush? Um. Oh man, that's a difficult one. No, what did he say, Misty? Tell me. I'm not even going to endeavor to guess. To plumb the sick depths of your twisted mind. Come kiss me under the human toe. Oh, damn, that's a good one. Kiss me under the human toe. Not the missile toe. <laughs> Killer sandals with the fetishes for dismembered feet. Feet. So, uh, speaking of stocking, uh, guess what the zombie was excited to find in his stocking on the morning of Christmas? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm not even going to try. I'm, I'm completely tapped out creatively. Give it to us, Misty. A severed foot. Oh, of course. Of course. If I was a little bit more on the game tonight, I might have known. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Severed speaking foot. Of dinner, uh, speaking of dinner, what is the abominable snowman's favorite meal? Um, an abominable snow cone. No, I don't know. <laughs> Let us know. Roast Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, won't he be suffering from radiation poisoning? Because I've heard Rudolph's actually from Chernobyl. That's why. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well, abominable snowman, he can take it. He can he take can it. Take You're it. right. <laughs> Brilliant. Rudolph, he's Santa's little hamburger helper. Hamburger helper, that's right. Oh, brilliant, Misty. No, you're bringing it. You're you're on a roll, girl. This is like that Amazon show, The Marvelous Miss, Mrs. Maisel, doing a stand-up routine, and she doesn't even need to bare her breasts to 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 realize how brilliant you are. You don't. You just do it at all. <laughs> well, thank you, Herman. Excellent. Uh, hey, have you seen the Gingerbread Man lately? I saw him the other day, and he wasn't looking too good. He was missing both his legs. 
I asked him what happened, and he looked at me and says, Oh, these? I lost them in Nom. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Nom, 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 nom. Oh my god. Yeah. You're a monster. You're a monster, Misty. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant. That's the best one. Are you telling me you made up you made that that one up? You made that one up. <laughs> uh, I didn't I didn't quite make that up. That was based on a a Pinterest comic that I saw. Still classic yes. and well but done. But it was in a joke form, but, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you obviously appropriated it. You know, because and gave it your misty spin, a misty twist. So thank you very much. Brilliant, yes. misty. No. Yeah. Thank you. I still have more. What? Non-book was for the baby boomers out there. <laughs> uh, and speaking of people who own land, what did Farmer Hoggett say after taking his Scotch bonnet, tamarind, citrus glazed, viral cut ham out of the oven? Um, no clue. What did he say? That'll do, pig. <laughs> <laughs> that one was an original. <laughs> oh. Original Misty Graves joke. I actually did write that one. Yeah. TM. I mean, I wrote, I wrote all of these jokes. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Misty. Uh, and there's, is there more? Because I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> That's the end of my set. That's oh, all I got. Damn, the slowpokes one already, like, you know, distorted my laugh muscles in my face. If there is even, like, <laughs> laugh muscles now, we, you you gave us this, you know, final twist of the knife. But um, I loved it. Misty, you brought it better than I ever would have thought you you could have done. Well done, really. Thank, thanks for giving us a bit of Christmas cheer among all the bloody bits of horror that we discussed. You are very much welcome, Herman. Thank you for... You're sharing your Christmas cheer with me. <laughs> what, what cheer? My cheer came in the form of introducing Killer Santa's homicidal maniacs traumatizing, traumatizing kids by melting their faces off. Oh, I ruined Christmas for a lot of folks, but for us it was, you know, kind of elevating Christmas to a new level, right, Misty? Oh, it was just the best. I was just really feeling the holiday joy tonight. Yeah. yeah in no, the air. So. Same. It's in the air, along with the smell of eviscerated body parts. It's there. And, of course, the, the tangy scent of animal musk, courtesy of our sloth buddies who were with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Misty, I also want to say something else to our listeners and to you. This marks the end of 2020. This is our final show for the year. And I just want to say thanks for coming on to the show and um, in this very, very difficult year filled with real-life horror, you managed to make the long box to resuscitate the long box of darkness, um, bringing it back with your, you know, mind as a defibrillator from the dead. <laughs> You've zombified it again. Or you were the Dr. Frankenstein to the, the, you know, the body parts of the long box of darkness, which was scattered all around not to be assembled by me and you managed to do that and you've breathed new life into the show this year so I just want to say thanks and that I see as my Christmas gift having you as my host this year and um, I'm really grateful and I'm hoping that there are many more Christmases that we'll celebrate together as hosts on Lot. Oh, Merry Christmas, Armin! <laughs> yeah, Thank you so much! I 
honestly also very grateful to be here. It's been a rough year for everyone on the planet, and uh, this has brought me a lot of joy to be able to talk about what I'm passionate about, and hopefully brings other people joy too to know, you know, they're not alone in this world and like the weird things that they like, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Or we're get not alone. <laughs> we're all... You're not that weird. We're, we're here, we're right here with you. We also laugh at the wrong things. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because, oh man, I was worried about that, you know, in isolation for for the longest time for three years laboring at the long box of darkness offending people and then it turned out that the the people the the offenders were also out there listening and saying hey cool <laughs> let's offend together <laughs> and one of them turned out to be you so ah, cheerful cheery to know misty that uh, yeah we're we're alike in our ability to piss people off and uh, uh, you know provide untold levels of blasphemy and that's what the long box of darkness is all about right misty discussing horror in all its forms in all avenues of life but especially on the pages of comic books so yes yeah levels of blasphemy indeed <laughs> and there's more to come right misty because we'll be back in 2021 with a host of other episodes that we've already got planned and um, yeah we still have our charlton show that we teased on our previous show that will uh, come next but um, after that you'll be shocked and amazed awed by what we've got on the docket so yeah look forward to that in 2020 listeners but for now misty i'll let you go first um we're going to continue the christmas cheer in a horror vein and uh, we're going to do that on stuff like twitter and facebook and our other socials so where can people find you online if they want to continue with you know getting some misty awesomeness uh follow me on twitter at misty g comics Excellent. And our show is on there as well, right, Misty? We're at Dark Long Box. And uh, if you want to check out any other shows related to comics, you can check out the Into the Weird podcast at Into Weird. That's my other account on there. I've also recently launched a new podcast uh, focused on around science fiction comics, and that's at Strontium Pod. Also listen to Strontium Pod on all the podcatchers where you can find the Long Box of Darkness uh, featuring Misty Graves. And then, of course, we're uh, also, you know, going to be posting images from the comics discussed, uh, as well as the links that I mentioned where you can get Steve's comic Slowpokes. And I'll be doing that on the blog, which is at www.longboxofdarkness.com. But I'll also include that in the podcast description. So you can just click on that and find those uh, links and follow us on Twitter and follow Steve. And, and uh, please uh, buy Slowpokes digitally. Um, if you can at first, um, it's available uh, for three bucks only on the link that I will include in the in the description, right, Misty? So very easy to come by, and it's worth it. It's really worth it. Oh, so, it's so good! It's so entertaining. You will laugh your butt right off. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I've I haven't have laughed so hard since well, since your you know Misty Graves' uh, funny bone segment just now, but. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Oh, but it also has so it's got some great gore in it too. Oh, there's gore. God, there's, there's gore. gore. God, there's, there's so much gore. It's like it's holy gore. You know, uh, it's it's really it's all over the place. I mean, it's 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 on people's hands. It gets in their hair. It gets in the sloth's perfectly manicured claws. It's man, it's everywhere. Oh. 
It's oh, brilliant. Gory, gory, gore. Yeah, it's, it's like true. more gore than Al Gore. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's definitely, yeah, Mr. you're right. I mean, read it. If you're a horror fan, you have to read it. Otherwise, you risk losing your status as a horror fan. That's just that's just yeah. our manifesto, right, Misty? That's our testament. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And with that, Misty, I guess it's time again to say goodbye. I don't want to... I want to keep this uh, Christmas horror ball, snowball effect rolling, but, you know, I'm afraid it's going to crash into a village and uh, maim some children. <laughs> so, you know, we're just going to say goodbye, but we're going to leave you a bit of with a bit of Christmas cheer. Take care of yourselves during this horrible, horrible year of 2020. And uh, I'm giving 2020 the finger officially now, but since this isn't a video podcast, you won't be able to see that. But, you know, some good things have come out of this year, Misty. Like I mentioned, you became the horror host of The Long Box of Darkness. So I'll look back on 2020 with a small smattering of, um, you know, positivity as well. And I hope that the listeners stay safe during the holiday season and we'll come back in 2020 and we'll all you know, be, uh, cured, <laughs> you know, so I, that's, that's my Christmas message, Misty, a message of optimism, but laced with a tinge of pessimism as well. What about you? I was an introvert before this, so this has probably been easier for me than others. Uh, but to say that it hasn't been without a challenge would be a lie. And I'm just rambling. Uh, be kind to each other. Uh, be kind to yourself. We'll get through this. There's going to be break dancing at the Olympics in 2024. <laughs> so we have to stay here. We have to stick around. and If only to see that. <laughs> yes. It's going to be amazing. Like just we all have to be here for that. It's going to be so good. You know, so break dancing, Olympics. 2024 let's do this lots to look uh, forward to <laughs> something exactly yes it's all about having something to look forward to and i'm so happy to have been brought into the long box of darkness this year this has been uh, this has just made my life so much richer and is deepened my enjoyment of horror comics and i just always learn so much from you herman when we're talking and when we're talking about these horror comics and I just uh, hopefully will. Well, I just want. I'm just excited for next year because fuck 2020, right? Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye and good riddance 2020. But yeah, good things are on the horizon. Misty, thanks for saying that. Yeah, I mean, I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. We're learning from each other. We're just a great big bunch of, you know, weird ideas, you know, from different walks of life, and um, we've come together to give you a horror show and. uh, comic book show and we'll keep on chronicling our love affair with horror comics as long as you let us listeners as long as you listen so hopefully you know we give you what you need and a little bit of entertainment during this Christmas season but Misty with that uh, we're gonna say goodbye from the long box of darkness pleasant screams and Merry Christmas you filthy animals (laughs) you damn dirty slowpokes (laughs) Stop being a slowpoke and get and purchase slowpokes and have a good Christmas and stop lazing about and then, you know, we'll forgive you and we'll accept you back as listeners (laughs) for the next year. (laughs) Take it easy, y'all. Bye-bye.
your life Somebody's watching you 